This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I'm never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I am Dan, the comic book man. Dan, the comic book man, is here, continuing to practice social distancing. We, we're, we're 600 feet apart, I guess. I, I we're, we're definitely more than 600 feet we're i'm basically in another planet we are as further away as we can be and we're also as further as far away from sanity i think as we can be in the last two weeks i've watched so much television <laughs> which i guess is what happens when you're stuck at home huh yeah you can finally just binge everything and you don't have to like you know you can actually pay attention to it yes and one of the things that dan the comic man has been talking about ever since he joined major issues in comic book click has been when are we going to talk about the runaways the runaways and i i it was ever a uh a topic that i was never going to cover it was i'd never found the right time to cover the runaways i had read the stories i had watched the first season of the show i i don't think i was privy to when it came back for season two um and then it got canceled after season three you hear all the great stuff that have to do with the comics um especially in its first you know, first couple of volumes, um, and then the show is out. And as a completionist of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, we try to check all the boxes. I still have to watch um, Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have a thing against Agents. Yo, same for me. Maybe. maybe. Uh, it's, it's, it's both those two and Cloak and Dagger. That's another oh, one. Ah, Cloak and Dagger start. as well. Yeah, the Hulu uh, bunch. I haven't, yeah, really. Yeah, uh, what else? Uh, the other X-Men one. The Legion or Gifted? Legion, Legion, and if there's another X Men one, another X Men show. But gifted. there's a gifted, gifted, and Legion. There's 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 two. There's a bunch of shows that need to be watched, even if it's not for this podcast. And this needs to be watched for myself because, like, I love TV. I love shows. What was it about Runaways though that made you want to cover it, or I guess made you want to read it <laughs> at the time? Because I read this in 2010, so this was before. Um, the relaunch in 2014 okay so i only read the first like five main or like three main volumes or whatever that like got released from 2003 to 2005 before it was seemingly canceled yeah it was but it was the first comic book story i actually read oh like, okay like a first like start, to, start, to, yeah, finish, start to finish like from from first issue to its uh final issue before cancellation like this was this was before Watchmen. This was before Civil War and, and all of them that I got a chance. Like this was like my first comic book story. 
this was it. This was the one that that made me start wanting to get into comic books at a a more adult age. I mean, I was a teenager still. This is ten years ago. I was sixteen, but this was the the series that started it all for me. So if you is, see it, me is it fair it, also to miracles. say? Is it also fair? Sorry to interrupt. Is it also fair to say yeah. that this was also probably one of the first comics you would be able to read? like in origin form because majority of the heroes that we cover their origins were written decades ago some of us oh, decades yeah. before we were even born so like it's it's very rare you're able to get in on the ground floor with a comic what's even rarer is i read this book when i was these characters ages so uh, i was able yeah. to relate this was what these are characters that are 14 15 16 yeah. I can relate to these characters because I was 16 at that time. That makes sense. But you're right. It, it's it was a, it's a lot more fair to say that it was easier to digest their origin because this is their origin. Yeah. This is it all. This is the pilot. Yes. This is the pilot to the Felina. This is how it goes. Um, the main crux of the comic that we'll be talking about is the what well, you were talking about the first couple of runs. Um, I think I think it's the first 18 issues actually. Uh, that probably yeah, it's like, get broken it's like into issues. two, three volumes, and the the comic has seen success and seen uh, all kinds of iterations with different writers and different artists. But I wanted to talk about that first run because I think that first run is what sets the groundwork for the entire series, and also is what sets the groundwork for the Hulu series, which we'll also be talking about at least the first two uh, seasons. Um, so I, to be honest with you, it's it's writers like this, Brian K. Vaughn, that gets me into writers like Chip Zardarsky and Tom King. Um, it, it's Chip, these kinds of like grounded in pop culture references, yeah. young minded, like in the zeitgeist. Yeah, that yeah, I I would equate those things to also to Chip Zdarsky, but like you're saying, the, those um, it's a little bit more upbeat. It's a little bit less um exposition in the sense of like big flowing words and alien languages and all that kind of stuff it's it's punchy the dialogue is punchy it gets straight to the point um and it definitely works in this i can't remember when i first read it but i remember hearing so many good things about it um the runaways and i had i was aware of the plot thinly you know like i knew it was kids running away from their evil parents seemingly but besides that, I hadn't known much. Um, but I'll get into the history of the comic right now because I found out some interesting things. Turns out this comic book, The Runaways, started off as a six-issue story called Pride and Joy, and it was published in um, it was published by Marvel. But Marvel had an imprint. You know how we talk all the time about Vertigo or more modernly Black Label. Yeah. So Marvel had an imprint called Tsunami that was created to attract young readers and fans of manga. And so uh. and so this comic was created as a merger of the two. I guess the art style is probably manga. Oh no, one hundred percent. I was just gonna say like I can the see the sharp now lines and where the, the art style and came the, from. Um and so we yeah, they they're created under this imprint tsunami, um, and it was originally intended to just be a six-part miniseries. But the popularity and then more ideas from uh, the writer Brian K. Vaughan, you know, spurned all these comics. And then Runaways ends up turning into a monthly Marvel title. But this was like supposed to be like an offshoot kind of deal, which is probably why everything is so clean in those first six issues or so. You know, like there's not much yeah. detail because we're not gonna 
go much further <laughs> into this direction. Oh no, yeah, like that first the Pride and Joy storyline went really quick. Yeah. Like supremely quick. And um so the story's main uh the story arc's main purpose was to introduce the main characters, the Pride and Joy. And it's so it's six kids who discover their parents are evil after seeing them murder a girl in a sacrificial ceremony. Um, it centers around the children's relationships with their parents as their children learn that they themselves have inherited their parents' power. Once the Pride, the group of uh, these parents, realize their offspring have disappeared, they begin to use their considerable influence to track them down. Pride and Joy sets up the main concept of the series, which is children versus their parents. <laughs> um, and we find out through the story that Pride was actually called together for the first time in 1984 by the Gaborum. Am I saying that right? Gaborum, yeah, that's how they pronounce it in the show. Okay. I think when I was reading, I was saying Gaborum, <laughs> but Gaborum works better. The six members of Pride who served these aliens best were promised control over the paradise that Earth would, would become once the Gabarin achieved their goal. Um, so 12 parents, only six slots are guaranteed, though. So uh, for 25 years, the Gabarin had given the pride wealth and their power in hand so they could rule over um, the entire city of Angels, Los Angeles. Every year, pride gathered at the Wilder residence, acting like it was for an annual charity or something, and they would perform the rite of blood, a ritual sacrifice of an innocent young female victim. Um, and then the spirit of the victim will be fed to the Gabarim in the rite of thunder. After Janice Stein became pregnant with their, um, during their third year as the Pride, uh, the Pride agreed to end its struggle against one another. So I guess the, the parents were vying for spots. I don't know how that would work. Right, five sets of parents. I guess only three sets get to go, but they all agree. You know what? Screw it. There's no point in us all fighting. Instead of trying to get six sets onto this, you know, saving grace, we'll just each put one of our children, and that becomes the new goal, I guess, for Pride. Um, what do you think of Pride in the comics? Um, they were very like, how, how, I don't want to, I hate using the word mustache twirly, but <laughs> I say that all the time. <laughs> they were very, very mustache twirly. Yeah. Almost, almost cartoonishly villain, villainous. Right. And what's funny is that if you compare it to how they were in the show, it's just as mustache twirly, but they, the, the actors and actresses brought a certain like energy with them where it was believable. Well, I think Where the entirety Dale of, York yeah. was talking. And I was going to say, I yeah, feel like the entirety of the show is grounded in a realism that the comic isn't. As a matter of fact, I go so far as to say the comic does some extra stuff so that it fits more into the world that Marvel already has. You know, there's mentions of Doctor Doom. Um, there's magic. There's time travel. You know, these things are sort of played with in the show, but they are big staples in the comic. Um, yeah, but what it, also annoys me with the comic is that there's also a lot of dc references oh yeah and i feel like that's something stuff like that is like weird like to like imagine <laughs> wink, wink, watching that's, that's... raw and they talk about AEW. you know like... well i was watching um a le episode of legends of tomorrow and um one of the characters was losing their powers and so another one was like oh i made you this serum you know i i couldn't find one to replicate your powers but if you take this you'll have the powers of a spider and someone's like you're trying to make me spider-man like 
I was like, huh? Huh. Yeah, is that right. that kind of stuff is weird. It is. It's a little bit re- weird. Yeah. It, it's the meta that takes you out. There's there's a difference between meta and then just going to meta. Um, I did like that majority of the parents had like costumes, <laughs> like these weird ceremonial costumes. Like the sorcerers had their own costume. The time travelers had their own costume, etc. Oh yeah, I dug that in the comic book. Like that that right there is comic book villainy that I'll take. Like um. Carolina's parents had like this like weird alien samurai type stealthy thing with like the green eyes and black suit. And for yeah. some reason, Frank Dean had like purple hair. Yeah, that was weird. Like whenever he put his costume on, his hair was like purple. Yeah, as a matter of fact, let's talk about these. Um, uh, that was like a, a mohawk sticking out or something, right? <laughs> let's talk yeah. about these these parents. So let's talk about Jeffrey and Catherine Wilder, parents of Alex. Crime bosses who posed as business people. They handled drugs, gambling, and robbing in Los Angeles. For this, these two established strong and powerful connections throughout Los Angeles, a reason why the Pride is able to frame their kids for murder and kidnapping. Uh, um, Jeffrey had also led the entire Pride. And Alex Wilder, their son, is a child prodigy at strategic thinking and planning. And he also leads the team of Runaways. What do you think about the Wilder family? Uh, they were they were great. Uh, Ryan Sands and uh, Angela Park Angel. Wow, her name's Angel. That's beautiful. <laughs> Angel Parker as Catherine Wilder was like, she was like the, the like the the monarch of the family. Like like she she was the one that got Jeff like Jeffrey his life in a sense. Yeah, because she's a lawyer. Yeah, in the show and in the comics, she's a lawyer. So, and I think district attorney, if I'm not mistaken, or just she works for a district attorney, which probably make her an ADA. Yeah, that's. That's power. So to be like an underground crime boss and a lawyer, you're just firing from all cylinders of power. Yeah, you got Jeffrey and 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 Cat Catherine, I guess Cat. Uh, yeah, Catherine. Here, and they they're seemingly trying to do their best, like everyone else, to um, give their children something to aspire to. You know, they've gotten out of their um, the rut that was their childhood, where able to get together, get married, have this child, and then through the Gabarim have all this money and seemingly success. Um, you have your favorites, the Yorks, <laughs> Dale and Stacey. Oh, York. I love the Yorks. We'll get more played. into, we'll get more into their TV counterparts when we get to the TV of it all. Cause I do think. Oh yeah. Cause I hated they, them you know. in the books, honestly. Um, they're the parents of Gert, Gertrude York. Uh, they're time travelers who pose as antique dealers. The two using a special 4d, Portico travel all over time and had stolen a dinosaur, mentally linking it with their daughter. They believed that the Gabarim would make a better world, one that wasn't so full of superheroes who had foiled their plans in the past. Um, we have Frank and Leslie Dean, the parents of Carolina. Carolina? Carolina. Carolina, I think. They say Carolina in the show. Well, that was dr- throwing me off. Y'all gotta let me know right in. I'm gonna say Carolina. <laughs> the parents of Carolina. They are alien exiles from Musjadain, the homeworld of their race, who posed who posed as Hollywood actors and New Age enthusiasts. So they were always actors in the comics. Um, Carolina's Carolina. See, I already forgot. <laughs> uh, Carolina's powers. Uh, parents were already um, actors. They are never church people. So that's one of the big changes. We'll get to that in a bit. 
We got Victor and Janet Stein, the parents of Chase. They are world-renowned, brilliant inventors who are known for making fortunes for what people believe are necessities. Uh, they supposedly made a fortune from creating a tool that removes the annoying plastic wrapping easily from a CD. <laughs> They also also weaponized gloves called. Yeah, that was the most ridiculous like <laughs> origin you can ever give. Yeah, apparently my parents are responsible for making it easier to open CDs, as if you couldn't date this comic <laughs> right. anymore. Right. They also made weaponized fists called fistagons, multi-spectral goggles, the transport ship, the leapfrog, um, and Victor is the one parent often described as being the most abusive. Um. Yeah, like you were saying, they, there's very little on the Stein family. And majority of these characters, the, the parents, are not shown. Like, we're, the main characters are the runaways. So whenever it's not on the runaways, they very rarely go back to the parents. So And when they do go back to the parents, it's always pride. It's You don't get these, like, you know, like, uh, spousal differences. You don't get to see them have these internal monologues. It's always pride together trying to figure things out as a team so um you have gene and alice hayes the parents of molly the two are telepathic mutants who poised oh i keep saying that who posed as a doctor and a speech therapist they had no idea that their daughter was also a mutant until the other children ran away from their homes uh so yeah they also can remove all memory and sedate people that sounds familiar <laughs> A lot of retconning for for yeah, they the, keep that memory wipe the, and sedation the, the, the though. Haze. They keep that memory wipe and sedation though. Uh, so, they do. So Robert and Tina Minoru, parents of Nico, the two are dark wither, wizards who poi <laughs> who pose <laughs> as average church going <laughs> middle class couple. When the Gabarim had first abducted the pride from whatever they were doing, the Minorus were on their wedding day. In the Rite of Blood, Mr. Minoru conducts the Enchanted Spell of Sacrifice. And so um, in the comic, what ends up happening is they all run away. And then they all, um, you find out that one of the children is secretly leaving messages for the parents. And bum, so, bum, bum. exactly, we have a traitor in our midst, which perked my ears up because I had just finished Young Justice. And there seems to always be where everyone's always worrying about who's the traitor. And this and it's show. It's always with teens. Teens are always turning their back on each other. I, um, Animals. I, I found that I saw a couple episodes of season three, and it's in season three as well. Who is oh, the they, traitor? Oh, they, they, they finally do it? <laughs> who's the traitor? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll explain how they do it without too many spoilers uh, when we get there. Um, uh, at least they went to that route. I'm glad they did. So, um, it's revealed that Alex is the traitor. He takes all of the weaponry away from. When we'll talk about those in a bit, we'll take all, all of the weaponry away from um, the children, the, his 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 cohorts, and tells his parents, "Hey, man, I told you I'd always love you. Like there was no beef with any of that kind of stuff. I know this is some crazy ritualistic madness, but it is what it is." He accidentally um, summons the Gabarim, and they kill him. Am I getting that wrong? No, that's exactly what happens, right? He ki- they kill him, they- and then the kids run away, and then that place where they were at explodes, seemingly killing all the parents as well. That's my recollection, at least, of the ending of that. No, that that's ba- no, they 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 
the comic really went far and killed a lot, lot of people. Like, and this isn't like some non-canon shit. This is deaths that stood. Yeah, and this this is what sets the ground for the rest of the Runaways comics. Alex is dead, and the parents are dead, and that's what that's that's it. Oh, that's, that's where you stopped. That's where I stopped. Yeah. Oh, 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 sir. Oh, you have a while <laughs> to go. But for the most part, what I'm saying is that. With those things established as the status quo, that doesn't do much to change, right? In a sense, no. Okay. It seems they have the same, especially when they brought in Topher. Right, and Topher, so Topher to be, is prior to that. So Topher, there seems to be yeah. like they're they're keeping like elements, like like not. I guess in a sense, moments without going shot for shot of the moments. It's like, oh, you remember this from the comics if you read it. We're gonna give you a version of that. And I guess I buy into it. Like, there's a lot of moments that, the, that in the show that was like, I actually have a real smile on my face. And I feel the excitement on, like, my shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely cool to see um, some of these things brought into real life, you know, finally with this show on Hulu. Um, let me see if I can get a date on that show. But, yeah, I was shocked as hell. I thought that Alex was set up to be the leader. I thought Alex was set up to be the... Well, they were doing the um, the Umbrella Academy of it all, right? I'm the one without powers. I'm the one without powers. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Are we going to find out that he's like a living embodiment of the Phoenix Force or that he has Weapon X technology in him or something like that? Nope. I was wait- he's just Kingpin I- Jr. I was just, I was legit waiting for it, and it never happens. So that's you know, crazy. Cause, cause when I went back to read it uh, uh, right now for, for the this last week for the podcast, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of moments where it's like they're really trying to tell you get ready because this bomb is going to drop with Alex. Yeah. Like when everybody was making up their nicknames. He's like, I don't want one. he was one. still <laughs> sticking with, I don't want a nickname. I am who I am, you know, like yeah. I'm Alex Wild. I'm like, and he's always had like this mad face. And then they, the way they do it in the show too, especially season two, he's never really with the Runaways. Yeah. And when he's with them, they're at odds. But I would argue I would argue that the reason why he's not with the runaways in season two is because they've moved past the story of the first three volumes and he does not exist past those first three volumes. So you could take him out uh, of the so story. Yeah, like nothing for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, you could take him out of the story because there's nothing there's nothing for him. Which is why so... Yeah, I, there's there's several changes that they make in the show that fundamentally change the in my opinion, fundamentally change the direction that the show is going to go in because it cannot go in the same tracks or the same um, trail that was blazed by the comic. Because the comic, ultimately, after after, after uh, Alex's death and after the parents' death, is about orphans, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's about a, a ragtag group of kids who found out that their parents were villains, killed them all, and are now just trying to make but it through also, life. They're not even in California anymore. Spoiler, but they're not in California anymore. Well, they they're... fly away. I think in the last issue that I saw, or at least they, they were in the York. air. They they they're they stole for, a vehicle. For good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That... So they're in New York. Cause I remember there was specifically a panel where they were walking on like, like a Grand Central, like West or or one of these Saks right. Fifth Avenues, and it was Jennifer Walters as full on She Hulk in a woman's suit and one of them was like oh my god that's she hulk oh look at her she looks so much more bigger in person and like they're in new york for, like the remainder of 
their run. I think that the, uh, the originally I heard that Brian K. Vaughn put them in Cali to keep them away from all of that. You know, like you would have to bump into somebody if they were in New York. Yeah, basically, uh, and that's why they had like Cloak and Dagger fly out. Right, right, and eventually you eventually you bring them back in, I guess. Uh, now, like you were talking about, when they eventually get to New York, once they are a little bit more realized, they can come to New York and play with their other Marvel co- eh, cohort. Yeah, because aren't they in like Civil War Two or something or uh, one yeah. of these books? Yeah, Secret I, Invasion. Yeah, I know. I mean, the comic is still going to this day. When I typed in an issue I was looking for, I actually got an old, like a brand new issue from 2019. I was like, oh, oh, snap. Okay, so it's still so yeah, so they're still they're an established. They're like this is. This was one of those surprise hits, like sleeper hits. Yeah. This comic is legit the definition of a sleeper hit. No one understood it 20 years ago when it came out, and then it got this resurgence in 2014, and all of a sudden, three years later, it has a show. The comic is still going. Like, yeah. there's, there's even moments that are, like, put under as Marvel Comics history as, like, top ten moments. Yeah, and that's without big. going into spoilers. There's our like this was considered a top ten Marvel his comic history moment. I'm like shit. The Runaways is <laughs> in top ten history of Marvel comic. Like this is great. Yeah, Marvel's not known. Not that I'm judging. Well, both comic book companies are not known to make brand new, you know, five star characters. It's very hard when you're a when your universe is already established to make brand new characters that latch on. Um, the comics All you have to constantly- do is give us. You know this kids to relate to, or start them off young, right? Because then you eventually get to a better place, I guess. If they're aging them, they should be at least five years older than they were in the comics and like in their original run. Hmm. Okay, but you could still call them, you know, runaways. There's no like, just because they're not kids anymore doesn't mean that's still not a badass nickname. That's a dope nickname for a comic book team. Definitely. But that doesn't. It don't. I don't feel like the TV show team earns that name. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't mean to. Which I'm glad that's to, why they didn't yeah. give them those nicknames. Yeah, I don't mean. To, as a matter of fact, the Runaways in in the show's universe are referred to as the children who are killed by the Gabarim by the Pride. That's what they're constantly referring to, like oh, the Runaways. That's the one. Three. Oh yeah, that's right. Runaways are are the sacrificed kids. Yeah, yeah. But um, I guess we should start talking this show because this show is a lot, Dan. <laughs> oh, th- this show can wind you in seconds. Yeah, it can. It, it well, is, not seconds, but it, it is a lot. I but I imagine that this is the perfect recipe of all of its elements for a, a young adult. You know. Uh, Someone a bit younger than me. Um, and I think all of those instruments sing in unison in concert with each other for a younger adult. But for me, it's kind of like going back and listening to like Waka Flocka thing and going, <laughs> that it's definitely music, but I don't know if it's my, if it's my jam. But I liked watching, I think what saves this show, I think the actors and actresses are great on it. Regardless of what yeah, they're 100%. meant to do, or regardless of how often, and I feel like this happens often on the show, they have to tread water. They're, the actors and actresses kill it on the show. 100%. Like, I'm, I'm in love with 
every single piece of the direction that they're given. Like, it doesn't matter how ridiculous these lines are. I believe them when they say these lines. Yeah. I think um, what we can do is we can talk about some of the major changes on the show. And I think those changes are actually going to help us summarize at least season one. So um, I wanted to start off with a big change that we we end up learning that this adaptation, um, in this adaptation, Nico has a sister. That was big news. Yep. Uh, who was killed off screen. Yeah. Sister Amy who died. But people thought it was suicide. But it was actually uh, a murder to cover up for pride. Um, and this happened two years prior to the events of this show. So um, it seems like the death of Amy and the cover... Because she saw things. You know, she she was a little bit suspicious. But um, it seems like Amy's death is what sends Nico into that whole goth realm. Or is that just me? Do you think uh, she would have always gotten there so, by yeah. age? Or do you think it's the whole, well, my sister's dead? Well, well see, I guess they, they couldn't... I guess you can't really expose it. Because you know how shows and movies are. They love their exposition. Yeah. You can't write exposition for teenage angst. How can you explain Nico is gothic Wiccan because that's just a phase she's going through? You can't. Right. So you got to throw something on top of that. You got to make the people believe, oh, she's gothic because her sister died. And this is more than a phase. It's just one of those more changes that they have to be able to, you know, on a show, it makes more sense. Am I remembering wrong? Or did they not meet up? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the next year. Uh, No, they didn't. They right? didn't. And then and no, the, so they hadn't met up since the friends. funeral. Right? Yeah. Okay. Which Alex didn't go to. See, he he didn't, but he did, right? Because he's like outside. No, I, I don't think he did at all. I think he wasn't there. Okay. He just couldn't be there for it. Yeah. Um. Which I I understand on that one. Yeah. So we Funerals got aren't easy. We got uh, Nico played by Lyrica Okano. I hope I'm not saying that right. Um. Lyrica Okano. Right. James Yag. Y- James Yagashi plays Robert Minoru. But I think, I mean, the head of this oh, family. This is going to be a hard one. The head of this family, uh, Brittany Ishibashi. You thought it was going to be Ishibashi. hard. Ishibashi. Plays Tina Minoru and she kills it, man. <laughs> Yo, she is one of the greatest actresses I've ever seen, man. Holy She hell. kills it. Like, from the like stone cold demeanor of a parent, you know. To we see her vulnerable when she thinks well when she knows that she's being cheated on or 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 at least um, ignored. Yeah, we get these complex breaks yeah. in the character that we're just like, yo. And these are characters that primarily I'm talking just about uh, the Minorus are characters that faces are hidden in their outfits. You know, they have the 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 sorcerers ninja esque uh, costumes. So majority of them, besides their eyes, are are hidden. Meanwhile, the actors and actresses on this show playing the Minorus are killing it with their facial work and killing it with their emotions. Oh, um, not to mention, um, Brittany Ishibashi play uh, for a moment playing uh, Jonah's daughter, so yeah. she has to act like oh like a my god, no, teenager totally. in a completely yo, yes. I was gonna bring that great. up. Uh, I didn't write it down, but I was definitely gonna bring up how hard it has to be to be somebody pretending to be somebody else, <laughs> and it, and it's a light switch move. 
It's everything. The way she moves her eyes, the way she talks, the way she walks, the way she uh, uses her hands when she speaks, all of it is different. It's like night and day to the point that when it she first started acting different, I'm like, is she high? Like, is that the is that the premise for this? That she just walked in and oh, she's, she's high? eating the cake. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, is that is that what it is? I, is it like one of those things of like, well, I you know like what is it? Um, what do they call that? Midlife crisis where you just well, you know, I've reached this age and I'm just gonna eat a bunch of pop tarts and fucking you know roll a doobie or something. I'm like, what's going on here? But no, yeah, she's she's somebody playing somebody else. I thought that was really really cool. But, um, well, I feel like these playing uh, the people playing somebody else. It's these blink and you miss it type moments. Yeah, especially like with with Stacey York. Yes, it's a blink and you miss it type moment that you have to remember these details. And then once the ball drops, you're like, oh, that's that's why you're acting this way and that way and this way. It's, yeah. So the way these actresses and actors are are like playing four or five characters, beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah. You ha- um, it was they, one of the things that was keeping me on the show, really. They own a tech company called Wizard. And that company seems to be also the company that is storing all of their illegal activity <laughs> footage. That's kind of hilarious that their company's called Wizard and they're dark wizards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And so Alex Chase and Gertrude are roughly the same. We'll get into their nitty gritty in a bit. Um, Molly on the show is an orphan. The result of the pride tightening their hold over families involved uh, when they kill her parents, who were set to rat on the group. She's adopted by the York family, making Gert her older sister figure. Now, this older sister thing is a big thing in the show, I would say. Um, this sister bond relationship. And supposedly, Brian K. Vaughn had always wanted that in his comic. The Gertrude as the older sister to Molly's younger sister well he kind of did write that in a bit like there are they they do seem to like stay together um what i hear is ultimately that role was given to chase in the comics little by little chase becomes more and more uh there's a reason for that but i can't say anything i think i know what you're talking about but (laughs) i think i know what you're talking about but um he also calls her bruiser he's the one who calls her bruiser yep in the beginning so uh they they were also like uh, what's that called putting breadcrumb down for for various different storylines um some some of the characters are aged up to age up a bit that's that's a bit of change um but most of them or aged down in a sense yeah i think chase is aged down he's supposed to be two years older than them in the comics and like seven years older than molly <clears throat> yeah yeah and I wonder why they did that, but I guess I want to talk about the first change. Why do you think they created Amy? Uh, I, if I'm gonna be real honest, they probably needed Nico to uh, uh, a reason for Nico to kill Jonah. Jonah? All spoilers, because okay. yeah. I'm guessing everybody is watching, listening to this, <laughs> have watched it. So right. hope you have. Yep. But yeah, they need like an excuse for why it was nico that killed jonah or why the parents have to turn on jonah like there's so many different ways that they had to write jonah being an overall bad guy enemy of my enemy type stuff yeah i like that. you wouldn't get that, that one scene with robert finally showing off who he is to jonah 
fi- like literally finally, and then it fails. I'm like, come on, Robert, you have one moment. Yo, of I was glory. so <laughs> mad, bro. Yo, I was so. It was his literal one moment of glory, and he still couldn't. He still couldn't finish it. I was like, gets oh my knocked God. unconscious by the two chicks that was sleeping with Leslie's grand- uh, father. Yeah. Um. So. And you you realize who one of those chicks is, right? Yeah. One of them is uh, the, the mother. The grandmother. Yeah, with the grandmother Carolina, the uh, Carolina, <laughs> the mother of Leslie. But I think, and I, you were just touching on it. I think the biggest change from the show to the book is in the show, the Gabarim and the Pride are portrayed and formed way differently. So. Oh yeah. In the comics, the Pride and their unseen masters, the Gabarim, are secret organizations. The Gabarim would require a ritual sacrifice so they could enter their world eventually. And once they did so, um, they would only save six members of Pride. On the show, there's a church of Gabarim, which is located in Los Angeles. And uh, it follows the teachings of Leslie's dad, David Eller. Um, While publicly appearing as an open and charitable organization, the church is... uh, engaged in forced re-indoctrination to those deemed troublesome or rebellious for the church's leadership and also provided sacrificial victims for pride to murder in their right of blood in order to restore their secret benefactor Jonah who is hidden in a secret room and is actually a member of the Gabarim alien race. Um, So Jonah, who is later called the Magistrate, because I looked around, there is no last name for this man. He is just Jonah, played by... Yep. Julian McMahon. Played by Julian Dr. McMahon. Doom. To which uh, Dan says, why does Julian McMahon always have to play evil people? <laughs> why does he always play a goddamn bad guy? I remember I, I hadn't seen him for a while up until I saw this show. And I was like, hey, I remember you. Yeah, you're totally evil. You're done. This is this is going out of it. Like, there but, was um, no even point to, like, make. There was no way reason why we had to, like, have this, like, um, is he bad guy? Is he good guy? Is he bad guy? It's right. Julie McMahon. See him on screen, you know he's a bad guy. He bad. Um, yeah, so a lot of season one is hiding Jonah, and then Jonah ends up coming alive. Um, we also find out that um, Jonah and Leslie created Carolina. So she's half Gabarim, half human, and she's Jonah's Which is daughter. another change from the comics because her parents were aliens. Full aliens. Both of the parents were aliens, so she's full alien, and it's a different race. It's not... It's not the race that they're actually praying to. Which so, I feel like this kind of takes away a lot from Carolina's personality in a sense. Because her finding out she was alien had this whole like existential breakdown that turned into happiness. Because she realized she could fly. But she still felt like a freak. And they really only threw that freak feeling with her and Nico for one scene. For Nico to tell her, oh, you're not a freak. You're the greatest. You're... You shine bright and all that. Like so, maybe. I I'm now. This is going to be a lot of headcanon, right? <laughs> but maybe it's the personality shift is a shift from her being a child of actors to her being a child of religious figures. True. Right? I, I'm True, literally. So I'm really just like... spitballing right now. I'm literally just. No, but <laughs> you're, you're onto something. Because maybe, you know, yeah, there is no, like, freak or anything else like that. Maybe if you're religious, like, if you're that into that religion, um, everything is seen as, you know, something. So maybe 
when you're when maybe she would have been more vain as a child of actors and thus quick to call herself um a freak you know true because she had her grandfather's drawing with her even before she found out about the whole of uh, being a half alien thing so yeah. that whole spirit thing was like it's part of her religion that your your body releases its energy to its natural essence of the universe and the first time she sees her powers she's she's on drugs yeah oh she didn't take she, it did she take it she took i could have sworn don't she they do took a it. thing where like she like drops it on the floor or something i can't remember <laughs> I gotta honestly check. i can't either so but that's fine either she, she does it, it or the party. Didn't. no one else in the party's like what the hell is going on no she had to take it because she passed out unless her oh, yeah, turning yeah, into yeah. that spirit Cause remember she didn't do her whole body only her hands glowed. Yeah. I would understand if she did like her whole body glowing and, and um like floating, then she would pass out, but she only glowed her hand. Okay. And then she like she kept drinking or even so, it doesn't even matter if she didn't take the drug. She was still not sober. And that is Ms. when her Gardner, powers are right? revealed. Virginia Gardner. Virginia Gardner. Uh did a Car- great job as her. Carolina Dean. Um yeah, so that, I thought that was a big thing. For the most part, the origin stays the same. So you still have them see a murder. <laughs> the children still see a murder. Um, it was just a weird sci-fi murder. Like they threw them into like a, yeah, there was a stabbing. Pod. Yeah, there was a stabbing and like literal like yeah, there was like some. Well, the comments was graphic. Not to say that the show isn't graphic because there's moments in the show that I'm like, yo, this is pretty freaking dark. Like this is my god, this is kind of creepy, but. Yeah, they the make comic it seem, was pretty graphic. They make it seem like, uh, uh, like a satanic thing, you know, like a, I mean, it's a ritualistic uh, sacrifice. So yeah, you know, they no, make it like seem like a, like more magic, more spiritual, more thing. Where on the show, it's more technology because it's alien based. My issue with the show that I figured out is that because Pride and Joy is the foundation for the comics. And because they don't do Pride and Joy note for note here, they have to keep up-earthing the foundation to say, oh, no, but there's more. So initially, it's like, okay, so we have this Church of Gabarim, and the Church of Gabarim is there, and they do sacrifices. Oh, wait, but there's more. It's actually led by an actual alien. Oh, wait, but there's more. He's the one who's actually putting all the strings. Oh, wait, but there's more. What he's actually trying to do is get his spaceship. Oh, wait, but there's more. There's other people on that spaceship. You know? None of that has to do with the runaways. (laughs) Not at all. None of that has to do with the kids. But because of the creation of Jonah and that and the church, it it turned the entire concept of the show around because if we're talking about you know, they were, we were saying before that the big uh, thing that the first couple of issues of the comic was trying to achieve is to understand that this was going to be parents against kids. But when you create Jonah, you create, like you said, an overarching bigger bad, someone everyone can point to and say, well, we're not on that guy's side. And it's, I, I'm trying to refrain from calling that, a, from calling it a cop out. No, no, I was going to say that because it is a cop out because now they're ba- they're doing a lot of backpedaling because when they introduce Jonah, they're trying now they're trying to make the parents seem in a different perspective good. 
oh, we still love our children. We're just doing this for a better world. Oh, we didn't understand what was going on. Oh, we didn't get that there was going to be a big earthquake. Oh, we knew that there was going to be an earthquake, but he told us that we were at least going to be safe. Like they they did so much backpedaling to make the parents be good and bad guys. And it's like, you can't have both. What I think they can't so that's be good a, and bad. That's the this is this is the sticking point and this is the part that I, I, I still haven't made up my mind about. You're right, but also that's sort of realistic. But do you want it, it goes to the man of steel thing again, right? Do you want realism in this? Obviously in the comic they went black and white. The parents were evil. That's it. Odds are, yeah. they, odds are the parents had love and affection for the children that they raised for the amount of years that they were alive. Odds are they had a backup plan and, and you know, they cared and, and not everything they did, they did because they loved doing it. They did it for their children. But none of that is explored in the comic. We're, we're taught to treat the parents hostile because they're going to come in hostile. We're not, we're not going to sit there and have a chat with them and talk about, well, why'd you do it, mom? You know, none of that's happening. I mean, Children the introduction each of other. <laughs> Victor Steen is a is abusive father. The first panel. Oh yeah, of he smacks up chasing his father. Chase, yeah. He's punching his son. Yeah. Yeah, and I think when they find old lace, the the telepathic raptor that uh, or it's a mother dinosaur, right? Because they say it, I think, in the movie, in the show. I think um, they call it by its actual scientific name. I think yeah, I think they gave they like raptor was shorthand for people who don't know dinosaur. And then when they made yeah. the show, they're like, I don't think that's a raptor. That's actually a whatever the heck. A Decino, a Desanosaur, Desano, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a Velociraptor to me. Well, when they go to get Old Lace, I think that there's also, like in the comic, there's also some hostility. Um, you know, at, at every point when the parents meet their children, there's some hostility. Oh, and, no. Yeah, yeah. In that beginning comic, every time the kids are like going to do, going breaking into like some part of their parents' homes. They were about to give him like a spanking, like a good old fashioned listen, you know, I will put you down. Right. But in this, it's like, you know, at one point they call their children and threaten to kill Molly. Yeah. They're not going to do it, but they, they, their kids don't know that. And they told their kids, hey, if you don't come, we're going to kill your other little friend. That's not black and white. You know, that's not like, I don't know what's going on there. Um, and And, you know, in the first season of the show, there's a lot of like. Parents lying to kids or, you know, um, but that that's the biggest thing because of the events of the of the show. The children never leave or at least they don't leave in the first season. The no, runaways, they don't run away till like the end. Yeah, the runaways. So in the book, right after this, right, they bounce. Well, they go home and then they bounce. <laughs> And then it's like, but I also feel like they did like the entire season in like uh, realistically like three days. So they would still need to. I I guess like if you want to be able to have like a long running show, I know it's canceled now, but if you want to be able to like have a show survive, yeah, you would have them at least go through the the coping of it, the thinking of how things should go down in their head, and then finally running away when they get pushed over. Here right. they just jumped straight to the to the extreme. Alex sent everybody a text message at like ten o'clock at night. Hey, meet me by the planetarium, and then they all just decided, yeah, let's just run away. Yeah. But these were also kids in the comics that established in their head that their parents were evil before they even knew they were evil. Yeah, because I, I can't remember who said it, but one of them even said I think it was, it was Gertrude, Gertrude that yeah, said. I think it was Gertrude. She says like, "Well, I've always knew my parents were evil. This just proves my point." Like, yeah. 
Yeah. But that also like that's that. also wrapped up in the narrative of being a teenager, right? Having yep. angst and these people don't let me do what I want to do, who the hell do they think they are, et cetera, et cetera. So part of the part of the show that I will commend is this idea that yes, we sometimes try to blanket people in black and white, and sometimes that's not the case. Does that mean that the people who have committed black acts, no pun intended, are, you know, are forbidden from ever being seen as white knights? No. But I do think that in a, uh, you know, a certain amount of bad acts will paint you in a certain color. Um, it's a time zero concept, you know, like Leslie Dean, her entire life was 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 brainwashed to believe that the the, the, the Gaborum religion was going to help. Yeah. She where she didn't even know that this was going to cause an earthquake. The only people that knew that this was going to cause an earthquake were killed. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Jonah and the church stuff. Because he's the one who lands on earth and creates the pride and stuff. And he gives him the knowledge and the wealth and all that kind of stuff in return for a yearly sacrifice that allows him to continue living on earth. He ensnares Leslie Dean, who falls in love with him, and runs his church slash pride on his behalf. Jonah funds construction at a new site overseen by the Wilders and plans to use a big drill to excavate something. The project is said to be dangerous and could destroy all of California as it will drill through a fault line creating earthquakes um molly's parents knew about this they tried to snitch and they were killed by leslie because of it the children manage to find and dismantle the drill but not before their parents arrive leading to a showdown um in that ruckus carolina is captured and hidden in the church but she's later freed uh and the children are able to go on the run like in the comic (laughs) finally but for a lot of time in between there, it's them trying to find footage and them trying to find hard evidence to put their parents away. Uh, there's also a lot of people who are... There's constant allegiance changing amongst the children. Would you say that's fair? Yes, 100%. Um, so I think the most out there, the most uh, unconvincible, ironically, is Alex. I think that he's the one that doesn't want to hear nothing from his parents. I think at one point, every child on this speaks to their parents in a heart-to-heart, except for Alex. I think I know eventually some things get said, but, you know, he keeps his stance thorough. Oh, yeah, no, he has not one heart-to-heart with his parents throughout. From what I've... I've, I've I finished the first two seasons. What so, do you, so what do you think what about seen... that stance? Do you think that's a, that's a teenager thing? Do you think he's right in that? Do you think they deserve a heart-to-heart? I think saying? that they're just trying to drop that reveal even harder. I oh, feel you like think he's still, gonna, reveal... he's still going <laughs> to do what he does? Yep. Okay. Though, I don't know I don't know if how they're going to do that reveal because he at the end of season two, he legit got his parents locked up. Yeah. Yep. What if they didn't do the reveal? If they never did this whole Alex reveal, well... I would say, well, good, because you kind of a uh, bunch of episodes too late. This should have been something that could have been <laughs> no, done. But, I mean, what do you how do you feel about that in relation to how him and his parents are towards each other? Because all of this would have been made sense to set it up for the turn. If he doesn't turn, how do you feel about Alex's hard stance on like, nope, y'all killed? Because he says it. All, how many times does he say it? Y'all killed 15 people. <laughs> he says well, it. that's because uh, he's a he's a hero head. You even meet it in the opening of Pride and Joy. He's playing a role-playing game of, like, Avengers Marvel, yeah. Ultimate Alliance. Like, yeah. 
all he does is quote heroes. Oh, this is like uh, Hulk and Thor and, and blah, 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 blah. So he's like, he would be one of those young, hopeful, idealistic kids in a world where he gets to live with actual superheroes. We only get to read and watch them. Yeah, I would believe his stance against his parents. I don't believe in uh, why he turned in the comics. Okay. And I, I still don't understand why they wrote him to turn. I think he turns in the comic because he's 15. <laughs> Honestly, I think he turns in the so comic because he's so young. So his convictions are constantly changing. His convictions, his convictions are changing, but there's one truth that he knew, and that was up until three days ago, my parents were loving, supporting, uh, you know, caretakers of mine. I found out a bunch of other True. stuff. And maybe he's tired of eating dumpster garbage and living found, with dinosaurs. I found out a bunch of other stuff. But ultimately, like, those are still my parents. I get the pull. I get the pull. How you choose to answer the pull will define you as a character, right? Everyone should yeah. be, have that pull of, like, that's still my mom, you know? I don't expect you to walk up to them and try to hug them. But there should always be that recollection. That thing doesn't just go away. So I believe. Well, that's what I love about the show. With that, yeah, everybody had that in the show. Yeah, because everybody talks all tough in the group, right? And then yeah, <laughs> when they get but split when up, they're finally face to face with their parents, yeah, they they talk, they listen, they go back to things that were normal. Because like, and there the was comics, a normal. This is, you know, regardless of now they want to try to be like, ah, oh, well, you know, it was never normal. Screw them. There was a time I, I, I you know. Obviously, those sacrifices were still taking place, but there was a time where they could remember not hating them. No, it's yeah, it's the Skylar White to her lawyer thing. I was like, you know, I didn't marry a monster. Lawyer says, well, you married one now. Well, you're married to one now. It's like that's, you know, my I didn't believe that my parents were monsters. Well, now you know. So what are you gonna do with that? I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> you really, you were a SWAT officer, sir. <laughs> uh, so the biggest thing with Alex. That comes about in season one is um, uh, Darius Davis versus the Wilders. So Darius um, is a man who served a jail sentence alongside of Alex's father. And then one day Alex's father um, is spoken to by Jonah and is like, you need to get out of jail. You can get out of jail. Enjoy pride. Oh, this is when Jonah was recruiting everybody and yeah. he needed people. So he was like, if you can give me that plot of land that you own, then I can give you wild money for it. And so he's like, I can't do that in prison. So then he's like, well, then you got to get out of prison. So Wilder comes up to Darius and it's like, yeah, can you just take responsibility for that crime that I committed? Uh, and he's like, sure. <laughs> so Wilder is quickly released and he promises that one day he'll get out of prison. And um, when Darius gets out of prison, he promised Darius that he would become the new leader of the Crips. And that um, in the meantime, Wilder would take care of his grandmother. Uh, Davis was ultimately released and effectively became the new leader of the Crips, but he still felt that Wilder had wronged him and had not kept good on his promise. So this leads him to provoke Jeffrey and later kidnap Alex, which leads to the confrontation, leads to a confrontation with the runaways. And later, Darius helps Alex with protection and funds after he leaves his parents. How do you feel about that whole uh, Darius storyline, at least in season one when he was a antagonist? I... I feel like this was just something made for the show because just because this was just some weird don't be a menace training day <laughs> storyline angle that just felt a little too like, who are the writers here? White writers? I, I, white I, initially, writers. I initially dug the whole like, you forgot where you came from, homie kind of narrative. 
like that on that is a thin narrative, but I, I enjoyed the introduction yeah, but of it. never came from there. So it's like, why, why do I need to experience well, a life that I never well, not had on, the option of? Well, not only what? that, but not only that, but like in most of the time when you tell that story, it, it you know, the person that had to grow, come from the bottom is bitter, you know? They're bitter. They they have spent so much time at the bottom that all they see is the bottom. So when they are introduced to the top, they flip out and are like, "You don't even know what it's like to really, you know, live and all that kind of stuff." Um, and it's it's supposed to be seen as a petty, uh, like overreaction and oversimplification, right? Like, oh, look, he got up and he he thinks he's better than us. No, he got up and he went to school every day first. Then he went to work every day first, you know? <laughs> then he saved up all his money. That's how it is in a normal story. You're supposed to hate the person who has all this hate and pity in their heart and say, no, you know, they didn't just sell their soul to the devil and and get to where they are. But Jeffrey literally did. So yeah. so what? what? <laughs> who am I rooting for in this? <laughs> I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for. So I didn't mind I didn't mind the introduction of the storyline when I thought I knew where it was going. But then when I realized, wait a minute, he's kinda right. The bad guy who's trying to shoot these kids or whatever is kinda right. Uh I didn't know where to go. And then they go ahead and they make him a baby face in season two. Which I Yeah, thought, straight up. I was like, what? Painting houses and we just teaching sit- them how to like Yeah, we just sitting around I'm gonna teach you how to ride a bike. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? I'm gonna teach you how to play dominoes. Like we are, we're just gonna we're just gonna nonchalantly as if you're not wanted by the entire state. We're just gonna chill on my front porch, play some dominoes, have a little cookout. That's it. You're gonna sleep with my girl's sister. I'm gonna tell you not to I'm gonna give you some life advice. Like, you young, young man, you know, like you know, you gotta do your thing. Like, wait, what is going on? Yeah, and it was that. also weird. Like they gave this. First off, they gave this poor kid one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen. Oh, you talking about the and braid? And then they put him in braid. No, after before the braid. But the haircut isn't that isn't that haircut the haircut? The comic accurate yeah, hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, poor. I mean, kid. It, it, it it is. It reminds me of the Goku thing. Like they always try to make the Goku thing in live action. It's like I don't think it's supposed yeah. to be ma- made that expressive in hair. Yeah, I don't think it's meant to be like that one. That one lock. That's humongous and just comes off the front. That <laughs> doesn't like, happen well, with regular people. Some of the cost, like I loved the costuming design of the the runaway teens, but some of them, it's like yo, your makeup thing could have just been a little bit better. I don't care. Molly has has a unibrow. I think that's on the purpose. The actress that played Molly has a damn unibrow. I, 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 I agree. Hope it's I agree, not. and I dig it. I think it's on purpose. Every time I saw oh, it, I would tell myself because I think. I think the the introduction on unpleasant hair on a female is supposed to trigger our response to puberty. Bro, it, I it think could be that's on a supposed guy to be shorthand. Well, as a guy, guys are just hairy. Right? Yeah, true, true. So on on Molly, you're meant to think that she's growing, but I wasn't too fond of Molly's portrayal in this. Uh, only I, because I felt like I, she was basically the age of everyone else, but talked like a kid, which was like, well, she was only a year on. younger, two years younger than them, a year younger. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so she goes from being the 15. baby. She was the baby of the group to being like the slightly younger one. Yeah. So whenever she was like having her, whenever she was like performing her powers and then she would go and have to lay down for a nap. I'm like, all right, come on, man. Like, yeah, you're, a, you're a nine year old taking a nap old. is kind of cute. 
A 50-year-old yeah, taking a, nine, a nap is like, what are you doing? Get up. A nine-year-old <laughs> dressed up in a makeshift costume that she put together herself, throwing a car at somebody and then saying, all right, guys. While wearing a hat with bunny, down for a bunny ears or cat ears or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like in the comics, like she she performed her powers and then she's like, I'm sorry, guys. I just got to lay down for a second, like yawns. I'm like, all right, that's adorable. Little nine-year-old just picked up a car and tossed it and yeah. used to take a nap. 15 years old, you're you're beating up a, a robber and then you need to lay down in the middle of the street. I'm like, all right, come on now. I get that it's comic accurate, but there's too much comic accuracy going down. Like you that, can't do one with the other. Well, that's another thing. Um, I found out that, you know, the because – in the comics, her eyes glow purple. In the show, her eyes glow yellow. And that may be something that seems to be a small change. So why the hell am I talking about it? Well, there's not so, no such thing as small changes, dear listeners. Uh, she was changed to have some sort of after effect of the rock from the landing site. Because um, Mar- Marvel, Marvel Studios didn't own mutants. So she couldn't. Oh shit! Oh, <gasps> yeah. So with her that inability to be a, a lot more so sense. now she can't be a human, a mutant, and so might as well kill her parents, right? Because they can't be mutants. <laughs> they can't be mutants, and so she has to get it. Her so power. So does that hand. mean that uh, Marvel Studios doesn't own the rights to the last name Hayes, and that's why they have to change it to Hernandez? Maybe because <laughs> Molly ends up becoming going... Molly Hernandez ends up becoming Molly Hernandez York. No, she's Molly Hayes Hernandez. Hayes ends up being her middle name. She doesn't get the York. The no, because um, adopter. Uh, no, but I because I remember during a, the funeral scene of her parents, it was uh, when they were saying uh, I think their names was um yeah because I can't even find them on IMDb. That's how oh, in the comics are. their names were. I just had it. Alice and something. Jean. Jean and Alice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So they were Jean and Alice Hayes Hernandez. So I'm guessing Alice was Alice Hern- Alice Hayes, and the father was Jean Hernandez. <laughs> that's just it's weird, and that because you're just throwing a whole bunch of conversations to an already long conversation. We don't. We need to be talking about stuff like this, Marvel. What are you doing? Let's talk about some of this gear that these kids is rocking. Uh, oh, these kids have what's have your some favorite? of the. What's your favorite? I guess. I uh, my favorite is always going to be the Fistagons. <laughs> I think that's a terrible name, by the way. <laughs> well, I feel like it makes sense for the show because Chase created it in the show, and he's kind of so he's kind of a ditz. Yep. Yeah, no, what it is is he's half jock, half sci-fi nerd which is weird because like he if, should be all sci-fi nerd that's what his dna is <laughs> yeah his, his, his mad science parents but it also shows the contrast of his parents as a lot of these kids show their contrast well also what does it mean when you are raised with different interests than your parents and when they have they're kind of hoping that you have theirs they're kind of planning that you have theirs you know, I, I'm a doctor. My father was a doctor. So surely you'll be a doctor. And it's like, well, I want to, you know, I want to draw. Or something. My father's been wanting me to to join the army since I was like knee high to a duck. So, yeah, doing whatever I'm doing is definitely not in his interests. Right. So you can see like like you were talking about, uh, you know, Victor in the comic straight up hits him. He thinks he's useless. He thinks he's um, not living up to his full potential. 
I also can't buy Victor in the comics being abusive. At some point, if my father looks like Jack Skellington <laughs> and I look like how I look. He looked like, like David Spade. He looked like a cracked out David Spade. <laughs> he looked like a cracked out David Spade. Now, if I'm 18 years old and I'm on the lacrosse team, I'm cracking you a good few times, bro. I'm going to break your jaw. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, I don't buy that Victor being abusive. But the Victor in the TV show, I can buy him being abusive. I also want to say, and this is going to alienate me. I don't get lacrosse. I don't get lacrosse as a it, high school team that gets you girls. I don't understand. It's actually a really fun sport. I played it. I've, before, seen I've it. played it for high school before. It's I've seen it's it. It's awesome. It looked it looks like a game that you would make up. It looks like a game that you would you know, like rugby. Oh, you'll it, break you'll break an arm. You'll break an arm in rugby, you know? Lacrosse is like it's like if you wanted to, yeah, like it was just like you made up a bunch, you took a bunch of different sports and put them together. Um, well, they, they did. They took they took field hockey and soccer. It's the rules of soccer with the fundamentals of field hockey. But imagine if there was a net involved, if there was a net attached to your stick, and then you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, like, you gotta... That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother uh, thing there. So it's like you have that scene of like you'll get kicked off the lacrosse team, and I'm like, is that a? a bad thing like obviously this is also 2003 so it's on the height of like american pie 2 i was gonna say on the height of lacrosse which i'm like what is what is the height of lacrosse that's the thing is a lot of these like california surfer teen romp comedy movies if it was in high school nine out of ten times lacrosse was in the movie girl next door american pie in the runaways it would be like lacrosse and it would also be like um uh, like rowing. What are they it's called? Hilarious. That? There's like there's a name for that, uh, isn't there? For rowing, like you know. It's all, oh, crew. Yeah, crew, yeah, crew. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, called yeah. crew. Yeah, it's called crew because that was what um Red Man joined in How High. Right, right. He yes, crew. yes, yes. So yeah, crew's the other one. That's like oh, like that's a you've got to be like really into that. It's not, nothing wrong with yeah, that. a lot of movies and TVs, they don't do the conventional high, uh, high school football, high school baseball, high school basketball. No, you're on the high school track and field team. Yeah, you're, you're on, on the crew. high school <laughs> fencing team. Right, like, right, right. Like you one more one more thing out of you, Chase, and you'll be off fencing. You'll be off badminton for a week. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. I guess I guess I'm not playing badminton this season. We're not going to regionals. So it is what it is. Um, no, we're not <laughs> Chase is played by Greg Sulkin, who you said you have recognized. I uh, yeah, I, I the st- the second I saw him on the show, I'm like, that face, where the freak did I see that face? <laughs> right. Oh my god, you were Selena Gomez's boyfriend in Wizards of Waverly Place. Oh my god, you're the dumb jock from As the Bell Rings. Holy crap! So he's a Disney Channel alumni, one of the few that didn't end up in the news. He's also one of the few that kind of does this a bit, um, like flawlessly. One of the few actors. Like, I oh, one hundred percent. All he that has Disney that stuff. Experience. Yeah, I think all of the Disney stuff literally helps all that. It's like, oh, what am I working beside a bunch of teenagers again? This is a cakewalk, right? Especially since I think he's the oldest. Like the actor wise, is the oldest of the Runaway Teens. Because 10 years ago, when he was doing Wizards of Waverly Place, he was playing a 16-year-old. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. A lot of these actors, we were talking about that before, uh, off-air, a lot of these actors are way older than some of these uh, 
some of these other uh, characters here. I like Chase. Which, I mean, I guess it's good. I think Chase might be my favorite character. Oh, of like all of, of everybody? He literally just tries hard. <laughs> it's like that's all that's all he does. He's much more of an asshole in the comics. He's much more of a hothead. Oh, but they also made him like racially insensitive in the comics. Okay. Where he's always calling Alex brother. <laughs> I didn't, I like, didn't, I didn't he, get that, but okay. <laughs> oh my god. All right. I think the first the- time he says it, right? Because then Alex says something and there's like icicles around his icicles around his uh voice bubble because he's like giving him the cold shoulder I yeah because um it was he brought it up to his parents in the beginning when his parents were like oh we're gonna be doing um pride tonight he's like oh come on guys do we have to see them you're like oh i thought you liked them he's like yeah but chase always calls me brother and it's like ex- it's like um quotated so you know it's the isn't that, that they're trying to say brother isn't that a uh like an inversion to the comic because in the i mean i mean in the show because in the show he's like excited to meet up with them and they all decide they don't want to and in the comic, he's like, I don't want to see those idiots. Like, I, I don't want to hang out with them. I'm tired of hanging out with your rich friend's kids. And I was like, oh. Yeah, basically, like, they, like in the com, it shows in the comics, they have no ties to each other. To when, and when it's ours, the reader's first viewing of them all together, they're literally sitting looking bored. Like, um, like they're like, oh, you guys got anything to do? No. Nah, okay. Like, it's like one of those things. The show also introduces... I mean, I guess not tropes. Tropes would not be the way to say it. Uh, what would you call the red herrings of um, Nico and Alex, Chase and Carolina? <laughs> I feel like the comic and the show kind of was pointing at the direction of those two relationships. No? Yeah. Uh, I I got I haven't read any of the newer Runaways, so if Nico and Carolina are an item in the comics, I don't know. So I I heard that they share a kiss in the comic. I don't know as to when in the comic. Ramona and Kim Pine kiss in the Scott Pilgrim comic, so it's like everyone kisses. Why not? Right, right. Well, she's an ex, isn't she? Is Who she uh, Pine? Yeah. Yep, she's Scott's ex. Ah, yeah. Um, so I. Huh. It's, that's interesting. I guess it's in a sense they were trying to go, like, not, I, I don't know, I wouldn't be able to speak to what the comics are trying to do, especially with the whole Carolina Chase thing and then coming into Chase and Gert, which I ended up loving more in the that comics. Was, that was, that was multiple, that was like just a subversion of expectations, right? Like, that yeah, she would, that's that she would look at him looking at Carolina, Carolina. And be like, oh it's my one of those God, teen hormone tropes. I'll never get get him because he's interested in the cheerleader. And then he's like, No, I love you. Yeah, it's one of it's one of those you never noticed me. Are you kidding well, you me? Should I have been taking, every day, you should have been taking your meds, girl. Because it's about to get crazy. Yep, teen. Bro, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie, I think Gert was my least favorite. By season of two character. and three, I am like, you know what, man? I'm over her. So you so you did you get to where Chase comes back? Uh, no, I'm literally on the first episode of season three. No, that has to be that has to be before then. Then, no? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yes, yes. They had that conversation where Alex was talking to him on the phone. Right. So, yeah. I and gotta was, find out. But there's like to come thing. back and... Chase comes back and they have like a vote and Gert's just being like a dick. 
the whole time, just being like, and always adding another extra sarcastic comment, and always adding a weird passive aggressive thing. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you I, really? I think they were like, literally making her that way on purpose. Like we're supposed to not like her, like so that if I, accidentally she doesn't live past season three, we'd all be okay. Yeah, basically. Right. Yeah, that makes it, sense. It's one of those. If we write her off, would you be too angry if we wrote her off? Ah. Eh. And, and it's getting to the point where it's like, I don't know if you want us to like uh, the far left type social justice liberal, but you're doing a really bad job of trying to sell us on that kind of person. I at least everything out her mouth was bothering me. <laughs> I think that was also done in parody. I think if they wanted her, if they wanted her to be the voice of reason, more people would be agreeing with her. You know, and was like, social justice even a thing in two thousand three when they made this character up? Like, was well, it, she was, was at the time cool she was talking about like... the patriarchy and all that kind of stuff in the comic. Remember, she's like, "I want to be called arsenic because Gert is my slave name or something like that." And I was like, yeah, "What?" Which is, yeah, that was that. That was I. I didn't dig that. I kind of liked it in the the way they did it in the show, where she was just going through, um, like, um, what's it called, com, uh, a newspaper. Yeah. And she found uh, an ad for a movie called Arsenic and Old Lace. Yes. Which is, I kind of yeah. like that more. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Old Lace? Oh, uh, the girl. Beautiful girl. Uh, who's a good girl? She is. Old Lace, <laughs> it, man, I feel so bad because it's like in a, in a comic book setting, I can believe them walking around with a dinosaur. Yeah. For just for some reason, it's like it, if you're just walking plain broad daylight with a dinosaur by your side, I feel like in a comic book setting, this is fine. Yeah. But when you're giving me a world life. like this, where you have to be able to hide the dinosaur, and they were really doing scenes where like we can't bring her, I'm like, oh man, this is heartbreaking. I wanted yeah. more of the dinosaur, <laughs> and I am a very big advocate of of emotional support animals. Okay. So, if that is really emotional support animal for Ger- for Gertrude going through her time of not having anxiety meds. I'm down for that. Give let her have her dinosaur. Yeah, little girl, her dinosaur. Um, and I also, it's the Superman problem. I feel like so many situations that these <laughs> that these kids got could into be handled could by have a been dinosaur. solved with a dinosaur. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of that. That just sounds funny. Like, oh, dinosaur. Okay, so here's a question because you know we always talking about like. Um, like not behind the scenes, but like decisions made on set that are that affect everything else. What do you think about the ways that they went around having to show old lace? Because you have to think that that's one of the most expensive things in the show. Oh, one hundred percent. But also look at everything that else that they were having. That at uh the the big alien spaceship Carolina, which is probably why they didn't have her glow as much. Yeah, like there was especially using the staff. Like so, I can see why that they, they they had to like balance their budget equally. Like, okay, if we're gonna have not that much old lace in this episode, we could do a lot of the staff of one in this episode. I don't know Which, about the first season, but I know in the second season they use a lot more like puppetry with old lace. Like it would just it be seemed her like head, it, or like her like her neck and her head out of a corner. Of yeah, the, of it the seemed screen. like they were doing a lot of puppetry. Um, which I'm I'm always down for puppetry animals. They always look pretty damn cool. Yeah, I'm good for animatronics. Like, you know, listen, Jurassic Park was 27 years ago, and <laughs> that movie still looks good. You ain't lying. Uh, but, yeah, it makes you wonder, like, damn, like, 
they had to come up with every scene and be like, okay, well, is Lace in this one? <laughs> do we put her in a cage? Like, what do we, what do you guys want to do? Uh, so I could totally get that whole thing there. You well, want to... it was all about balancing the budget. They did a great job. You want to talk about the staff of one? The staff oh of man! One. All right, I kind of dug how she, how Nico got it in the comic more than the show. I oh, think yes. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, in the comic, it's a bit more but um, graphic, as dynamic. Fuck. Yeah, but yeah. it also shows that, like what you were saying in the comic, we just got this black and white portrayal of the parents are evil. That was just it. There was no if ands, or buts around it. They were bad guys. They worked for a secret organization. They knew what they were doing. Right. So I believe that Tina Minoru would stab her daughter in the chest with the staff of one in the comic. I couldn't see Tina in the, in the show stabbing her daughter in the chest with a staff. Where even in the one of the scenes in season three where Nico like like uh, washes her hands with her parents and and oh Robert's like what did you just do and she's like I didn't know she was gonna call my bluff I'm like damn you could see <laughs> the complexity behind these characters oh yeah like, yeah yeah but you know what's funny like if she would have because in the comic she stabs her with the staff and the staff and it goes straight into her, her it goes into her body like it doesn't even come out the other other end she her body literally absorbs it and that becomes no, it one takes of the, it. it's hers now yeah yeah that becomes um. Like it's hi- like it's hiding place, like a storage place. She can place it inside of her and take it out. So in the in the show, mostly the staff was shown in short form, and then it could extend. In the comic, she would have to call upon it. But she also had to bleed in the comic as well. She did, right? Uh, yeah, she had. To, but this was the thing: is with in the comic, she had to she had to cut herself. In the show, the staff of one has like little spikes in the hand of the handle, and that's why it extends. So every time she grabs the staff and extends it, you hear the like the swift type, the swink type sound, and she's getting like stabbed in the hands. Okay. But I do like that they kept out the well when blood is shed, one will will oh, come like out the, or something like, the, like, like the the spell or whatever. The mantra, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I wasn't I don't I don't want to hear it every single you don't time. Like spells. So I, you don't like people. <laughs> well, I mean, I like it when I'm reading it because when when it comes down to comic form, I don't actually have to read it. If I if my eyes see and know what that whole sentence is gonna be, I skip past it. Yeah. So every time she does the staff in the comics, and I know the little word bubble is gonna come out of her doing the spell, you I don't read the spell. It. I don't need to read it. it. Yeah, I just skip because yeah. I know what she's saying. But if I had to hear it at least five times in one fifty minute episode, I would start getting a little tired. I can see that. Because how many times does she use her staff? Does she use her staff in one episode? So every time I'm gonna have to hear yeah, when the blood spell. is shed, yeah, the yeah, staff yeah. comes out. Like it's gonna it's just gonna be like, all right, now we're getting like I love comic book movies and TV shows, but some things need to stay in comic because it's like that world allows it. Right. If you're giving me something yeah. in a realistic setting, I can't see peop I can't see people acting goofy in a realistic setting. You're about to die, you're about to fight your mother off. I can't see you saying when blood is shed, those staff of one. I can't see you doing that. It's weird. But that's another big reason why, like, I, I'm when we were bringing up like the, these things that are changed from the comics. I'm not necessarily trying to say like, and why didn't they do them? I'm literally asking, why do you think? You know what? What you think was the creative uh, inspiration behind changing these things? Like we just well, especially said, since Brian K. Vaughn was an executive consultant, so it's like, all right, if you were on the show and literally like. 
you know, helping people out, then that was probably your idea at the end of the day. They probably asked you, hey, should we do this? And you probably said, yeah, it would make sense. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, I would want to, I like, I don't, and, and, I, I and like comparing. It reminds me of The Walking Dead in the sense that Robert Kirkman, who wrote The Walking Dead, uh, wrote it for Image Comics, and Image Comics is creator-owned. So he got all of the money for The Walking Dead series, and he was also an executive producer on the show. Very early on in the comic, I think in the one of the first arcs, the main character of Rick gets his hand cut off. It's a big character moment. This never happens in the show. And when asked about it, Kirkman was like, honestly, that's the one thing I would have changed. I would have never cut his hand off in the beginning. So wow. one would think that some of these changes are probably changes he he wanted to have. You know? You would have to think. Uh, right then and there, I would have to like now look at the perspective of Dan. How many people were creative consultant of their own works? Like, like, for example, Suzanne Collins. As much as I hate the Hunger Games movies, Suzanne Collins did write the story. Yeah. Like, she didn't write the screenplay or script, like the, but most of it, she gave them, like, a really small, rough draft of what the story is going to be and let them pick the dialogue from themselves. So, like, she has a story by credit. It's not uh-huh. based on by, it's like, she has an actual story by credit. So, it's like, all right, I guess if, if some things can only make sense in a movie or TV, then it has to be done, and who am I to fight with them? Because it's not, but it's I don't not, know why you have to change Mom right, Hernandez. It's, it's not. <laughs> it's not um it's not them just having liberties with with the other people not around you know yeah in, in actuality the other people are, are there and they're having liberties with it as well especially so. seeing a lot of tv shows and movies that like portray that backstage setting yeah. of making movies and shit like the producers or bojack horseman stuff like that like you you get a more of an idea of is this really how it goes down like do you need like a room full of yes men before you can get a movie off the ground? Right. And how much of your original idea are you willing to sacrifice? So as yeah. to get it out. If they if you if you do a like if you go really hard on the story and they tell you, Oh, we have to get rid of half of this, but we're willing to put it on Netflix. Right? That you get put in a position, right? Really quick of like, huh. All right, well, it'll be seen by more people than ever seen it before. But what they'll be seeing is not a hundred percent what I'm, what I made, what I'm trying to make. Yeah, that's just the that's just the sadness of adaptations about life. You know, like I don't think we're ever gonna, unless we fund, produce, distribute a movie ourselves from a book we made. Most of the time, people aren't gonna see their full work adapted. Sounds like a good idea to me. Just let me know when you want, when you want to start. Make that movie, baby. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, as I say, we talk about the Fistagons, talk about the Staff of One, we talk about Old Lace. Uh, that's pretty much it there. Oh, does, does Fistagons are created by Chase in the show, but by his father in the comics, right? Yeah, that was also another decision I didn't like, but I kind of did because I, I, I liked that the kids went to each and every one of the house to steal something. Yes, I thought that was dope. Let's steal. Let's steal uh, weapons <laughs> just, from our parents. It and just fight sounded, them. All of that just sounded weird in succession. Because you were like, let's steal something. That's dope. <laughs> let's, just, <laughs> let's just go through. It's my favorite part when you're just stealing shit. <laughs> no, because it, it was, yeah, it was just an awesome scene. It's like, all right, we're going to rendezvous. We're going to go to our parents' house. We're going to steal their most valuable weapons. And then we're going to fight them early on within our first six issues. Right. But 
they were going through a great lengths to make Victor, the, basically the Steen family, be very complicated, as complicated as the Minoru family. Yeah. Where you have adultery, you have abuse, but there now there's brain tumors. So it's, oh, if only I knew that you were sick, I would never have cheated on you. Oh, a oh, bunch of like, weird stuff like that. That's the like last bit of season four, uh, last bit of season one that we're going to talk about is the whole, the the slow descent of Victor Stein, which I think is yeah, yeah. basically like he was. It it seemed like if they were setting him up to be like the number one bad guy that goes after even the parents, right? Because now this man is being wronged by everybody, and he's showing up with white trucks that have nobody in the back. Yo, he really went to go. <laughs> Holy shit. There was nobody he, back there. <laughs> bro, and he was going I'm I'm assuming he was going crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he's just I'm assuming that he never he's just going crazy. actually was She says she was, he she was, was just eating going a crazy. hot dog. And I was like, I saw her. She was eating a hot dog. <laughs> and they're like My God. Better not be one of your tricks, time. <laughs> Oh, and then shit. he just, and then and then they went to go kidnap a homeless guy, and dude pulls out a tire iron. Yeah, yeah. Are you are, are you really about to beat this man over the head and kidnap him in broad daylight? That sounds like fun, don't it? Like this is like Santa Monica Boulevard over the underpass. What are you <laughs> doing? Uh, let's talk. Let's let's get to that part of the of season one, and then we'll go on to season two. So, um. Uh, Victor Stein, husband of Jill and father of Chase, is shown to be a mean yet ingenious in, uh, engineer whose cold demeanor keeps his family at bay. After being diagnosed with brain cancer and collapsing mid-sentence, Victor is given a cure by Jonah that, after careful analysis by the Yorks, cures him while also causing him to go absolutely bonkers. After one of his bad spots, he gets into a fight with Chase and attempts to kill him when he is shot and placed in a coma by Jill. Ironically, Jill was set to leave Victor, just as Robert Minoru was set to leave Tina as the two of them were in a secret affair. When Jonah says Jill should be the next sacrifice, Robert tries to take her place before Tina destroys the machine herself out of her remaining love for her husband, even though he's adulterous. <laughs> which is also oh, which is like more complicated shit from like the Complicated Minoru adult problems that now we, as adults get to realize and get to, uh, you know, they have impacts because we've gone through some of these adult issues before. Leaving a neighborhood and trying to keep it real or, you know, having a cheating spouse or not feeling loved by your spouse so you have to cheat or not feeling like you guys have anything in common or that you're a trophy husband. There <laughs> like was so Frank D. much cheating. So There's a lot much of cheating. cheating. There's a lot of, like, just, like, sexiness. I wouldn't say sex. You don't there isn't a lot of just plain sex, but there's a lot of sexiness. There's a lot of just Oh no, there's a lot of hormones in this show. There's a lot of hormones going on here. Oh, and it's not just teenagers. You would think that it's just summertime teenage hormones. No, 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 no. This is more than just summertime teenage hormones. You 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 had um uh, uh what's his even uh Leslie Dean. Yeah. Cheated on her own husband. I thought I don't know if you're up to that part yet. There's a part where Tina is with a pizza man. And I think she... No. Okay, well, she 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 said something verbally that I thought was referring to sex and it was actually referring to death. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I was like, oh, is she just gonna, like, is this like some kind of animalistic alien, you know, instinct stuff? Oh, no, no. Okay, so she's just gonna kill him. That's all that, that's all that is there. Uh, so... Yeah, so at the end of season one, 
after saving uh, Caroline, Carolina from the church, the children go on the run with old lace, while their parents, tired of, tired of Jonah and his deception, plan his demise. In an effort to find their children, Pride frames them for the murder of the girl uh, the runaway saw Pride kill in episode one. And they also frame them for the kidnapping of Molly. Uh, I don't know if that's the best way to get their children back. But, no, uh, but that was also the way they did it in the book. Yes. But it's also, once again, I mean, I like the I, books. A lot cops of these better. motivations made sense. I like the cops what? in the books better. <laughs> the cop oh, in the book better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Flores. Yeah, they show, Flores. they show that the pride has the cops in their pocket. Um, and yeah, you know, and now I'm saying it, like that Gabarim, Church of Gabarim stuff, especially when it's taking place in California, has some Scientology vibes. I, I was, was going to say it earlier. The like, there's a lot of Scientology stuff. The light, and you know, we're all going to, you know, lose this form and go on to the next and all that crap about, you know, and then you have the actual actor, uh, Frank Dean, uh, you know, Scientology. It's all linked, bro. Is he ever seen again? Or was he just After killed? what? Season? After season two. After they threw him in that room. I don't remember seeing him again from where I'm up to in season three. Yeah, they probably killed him. He probably, yeah. I thought they were going to put him in the crater. But they just put him like in a no, they just shed. They just threw him in some wooden room. <laughs> yeah, some wooden shed. He was like locked in. <laughs> I was like, all right. Well, that's where they locked uh, Carolina too. But also it could too. be, um, oh, what the shit? It could be a blazing, bu- uh, blazing bull. What do you mean? Blazing Bull is that that torture chamber where they they oh, throw you in, and then they I set it on that? fire. Oh no! Set it on uh, fire. Midsummer. No, I was talking about um, in uh, I think it was uh, the longest yard. They had that box out there. And they used to put people in. Oh, the box. Yeah, the box. Uh, I think that's what I'm. I think that's what I'm thinking of. No, you're thinking of salt. You're thinking of from Longest Yard because okay. they put uh Adam Sandler in there for like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, the box. And it's all hot. Yeah. Um, and so that's how season one ends off with the family, the parents and the kids all trying to stop Jonah. So season two begins with the kids on the run before they end up finding the abandoned mansion that would become their headquarters moving forward. I know you are a tremendous runaways hostile fan. How do you feel about this reveal? Uh, I love the I love the hostile. I thought I actually I love how they did it in the show. I thought it was beautiful. It was like seeing the the, the Avengers Tower, like like seeing the Batcave. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was it was beautiful. It's like oh my god, there's the stairs. Like I wanted I wanted to see more rooms. Even even though I know even in the comics they didn't give us more than like four rooms. But it was, seeing the spray paint, the giant double staircase it was just a lot of the visuals of this show was getting me. I'm like, yeah. damn, I'm really having fun just like looking at this show. Isn't their runaway gear like what they wear? Like yeah, the that was the next thing I was going to bring up. Like, especially like when I saw Caroline in like, she was wearing like a yellow crop top and she had like her hair in like a single braid going down one shoulder. And she had like the frills that like purple little frilly ribbon in there. I'm like, damn. Even they gave Molly the, the little uh, bunny hat. Yeah. Like everybody had, even Dean, uh, uh, Chase, Chase had that so, uh, key coat, that white key coat that he has in the comics. Matter of fact, um, when we first, I think when we first see Carolina, she has that long, long braid, that like loose, long braid from the comics, and that was all I yeah. needed. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was all I needed, but I was like, 
oh yeah she's totally carolina <laughs> she has the hair well, see that's what <laughs> that happened to me with with alex's introduction all yeah. i needed was alex to be introduced with him playing video games and his hair and that weird afro and i'm like oh yeah oh yeah they gave me every single character and each character i'm like oh my god you're perfect yeah you're perfect you're like you're like chris evans doing captain america perfect like this is this was perfect casting all around. There was not a bad actor or actress in this show. Everybody everybody in this show is the one of the biggest reasons I continued. Because I'm just enjoying everybody. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing a real good job. And like you said, it might be... Gert might be being done that way so as to uh, get us mad at her. Um, to make sure... I'm also they had, I'm getting a little uh, fed up with the... Uh, covering shows that i fall in love with and then find out that they're canceled canceled. (laughs) yeah how many times can i do this um and the watching season two to me i don't know about you like i felt like there's a lot of plot points that don't just get to the point and then it ultimately got split kind of in half and the plot points that are in that are left over are not finished by the end of the season did they just have too much story like did they had just like six Six seasons worth of stuff, and they're like, "Oh no, we're only ever gonna get three, so let's just try to put two season arcs in every season." Uh, it felt like it was a lot, and the episodes are roughly hour long episodes. A lot of slow motion, a lot of emo music. I like kind of so- slow sounding Lana Del Rey stuff, but it was like almost every episode would just be like this montage of them looking out the window while sad music plays in the background. It's it's literally. Sad girl music. It's California stoner sad girl music. It's Billy Eyelash. And it's so funny because I'm wa- I wasn't watching this on um Hulu. Okay. I was watching this on Disney Plus. Okay. And I had captions on sometimes and whenever like the singing was happening, like these little like quick songs going on, it would say female vocalist. That's hilarious. It would even it, these women wouldn't even get credited as if they were buying women for buying oops. As if they were paying women to sing original music for their episodes and don't get it twisted people i like that kind of music um it my my whole beef behind it was i had a hard time sympathizing for the children when every episode was made in this like woe is me kind of thing especially in season one where they were all still living at home teenagers man they were all still living at home which again again i know i must have felt that way i know i i was you know uh, listening to emo rock and like, why? Well, I was a runaway in a sense, you know. And, and I so really did happens. actually run away from home, so we so, all feel this way. But then, but then they, some of these kids may look like posers to you, then, right? Like, <laughs> it'd be like if we were tackling an army show about a guy who left at eighteen. I'd be like, some of that's right, but a lot of that's wrong. <laughs> oh no, one hundred percent. Like, uh, like what you brought up. So what you're telling me? You never. You telling me you never found the mansion in all your time, homeless. Dude, if I, if I would have found a fucking <laughs> underground mansion while I was homeless, are you wild? Bro, we'd all be living there now. I was in That's construction it. for four years. I'd have fixed that shit. <laughs> uh, God damn. <sighs> Which, uh, I don't like how they found it in the show. I don't like how it was this happenstance. They were running through the San Andreas Falls, and all of a sudden, Carolina falls through the sky roof. I did like that Chase used to go there whenever his father was being overly abusive. Yeah. Cuz that was like a that was a big thing for me like that was his solid it was like Chase was for like a whole issue trying to get people to go there. And everyone was like, "Oh, we're not going there. We're not going there. We're not going there." 
And then when you finally get there, it's like he even bought a gamma testing sign to put outside yeah. in front of the the front. I thought so that no was, one I thought that was kind of cute. There. Like the little the little ties back to you know the little ties back. Yeah, to, and that's uh, what and that's what got me with the show is because the comic it was very pop culturey. Very pop culture. Like they, they, these people were making nothing but movies and songs and and other superhero references, so that when they were doing it in the show, to either a smaller scale or larger scale, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like smaller scale in the sense of they weren't mentioning Captain Americas and Iron Mans, but they were still like, like the Yorks. They were that they were speaking to each other in movie language. Like it was getting me. Yeah. It's like, damn, that's the feel of the comic. If you can give me the same feel of the comics while doing a different story, I will love you. If you give me a crappy version of that, then you're Batman Hush, the movie, not the comic. <laughs> the movie, not the comic. <laughs> so someone's going to have a big uh, uh, question mark shaved into their head? Is that what you're telling me how all this is going to end? Yeah, so someone's going someone's gonna to go for a brain tumor operation, and then the doctor's going to do the biggest malpractice suit in the world <laughs> by stitching a fucking question mark on their forehead. By the way, a completely off topic. Is King Jong Il still alive? Is King Jong Un still alive? I think he's. I think he's only alive by machine. Oh, he's probably gonna. Oh, you know what it is? He's in dead. the machine. They got the algorithm plugged in for him. Oh, right, here we right, go. Right, okay. right, nice, right. Nice. Oh yeah, totally <laughs> off topic. Totally off topic. They they have him placed inside of a of a tube, Dan, and it it replays all his greatest memories. I don't want to know what Kim Jong Un's happy place is. <laughs> um. Well, I I was just looking up. It says that Gertrude York is a riot girl. Is that a thing? A riot uh, girl is an underground feminist punk movement that began in the early 1990s in the Pacific. Oh yeah, Northwest. that is a thing. Yeah, now now that you're reading, yeah, I know what a riot. It's um. It combines feminists. It combines feminist consciousness with punk style. Yeah, it's the Darius. Okay. It's the, it's the, yeah. I came all the way over here to talk about our boys, uh, Bridget Branna and Kevin Wiseman, the Yorks. Hilarious. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a big thing that I wanted to bring up. Go ahead. What, what, what struck me as funny is that this was this is a comic book show that was adapted from comic books, and two of the of the bad guy parents were in previous Kevin Smith movies. Oh wow. Yep. Um, Janet Steen played Jay's mom in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So that opening of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back when Jay and Silent Bob are, are babies in a stroller. Yeah, the blonde woman that mothers Jay is Janet Steen. Oh wow! And uh, Mr. York, Dale York, yeah. he was the Hobbit lover in Clerks too. Oh, I gotta the find one that Randall made fun of Lord of the Rings so much he puked. Yeah, he looks better with a beard. He looks hundred percent better with a beard. You can but tell I that love, he actually has teeth. I love that he has the like hipster beard and the oh yeah, sides. like they look like. The new millennial parents that you see, parents. like the new yeah, the new millennium parents, and they're hilarious. They're they're like triple nice. Like they're probably the nicest parents on the show. No, well, I was just about to say, I think they're the ones that are they're like the least amount of evil because they were the they were literally the only ones trusted by the Hayes. Yeah, 
when yeah. the Hayes died, they they left they left a majority of things to the Yorks because they even left the the custody of their only child with the Yorks. If they didn't trust them, they wouldn't have left the safety of their daughter with them. But they were the only members of Pride that were trusted by the Hayes. I also think that they have a great um, back and forth, great banter. Oh, one hundred percent healthy marriage. One hundred percent healthy marriage. They call each other nicknames, as as and they then they be. get into arguments, but it's never, like, vicious. <laughs> like, they're really, really nice, which I guess is a setup for the whole um, Gertrude of it all. Like, she seemingly comes from perfect parents, but still finds injustices in the world. I think that was in the, the book, too. Yeah. I think her parents were, like, very much doing the, the absolute best that they could with not only their kid, but with the environment. I mean, they lived in. They, gift, still they not gifted enough. her um, old lace in both the comics and the show as her own personal defense. So that's got to yeah, like how, he, stand for how the dad called it an oversized can of pepper spray. I like how in the uh, comic, what ends up happening is they find old lace and then they end up finding a uh, the abstract. And a, a voice recording hologram thing automatically plays and it's like, if you kids are seeing this, then we're dead. I mean, how else would you guys be seeing this? There's no way you guys would just stumble upon this and see yeah. <laughs> and see this. Well, anyway, this is the abstract. It's the book that has all of our secrets in it. Uh, that and the dinosaur are now yours. You know? So I thought that was like, that felt like something that good parents that do bad things would do. Like I'm doing a bunch of bad things. Yeah. And I'm setting you up. So once this is all done, here's the book. Here's the dinosaur. Go do your. Go so do Walter your thing. White of it all was Walter White a bad father? And maybe if father. This, maybe if this would have came out pre Breaking Bad, we would have got a little bit more black and white with the um, depictions of the parents. You know, but we I, in the last decade we spent a lot of time <laughs> trying to find the white in the black. You know. Yeah, we've been sympathizing with villains since 2008. You know, it's and, been happening. Well, they're more, they're more like interesting. I, can, I don't know if I can fully support it, yeah. but because, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, it it should be like, if you're a villain, doesn't matter what your intentions are. The road to hell is still paved in good intentions. Yes. I, 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 so it all comes about when you want to quote unquote cancel a person. That's what I yes. think it all comes down to. Are you willing to let the uh, combined malfeasance of a particular person uh, stain them, tattoo them as being less than in society? How many of people are you comfortable about doing that with? And how many of these groups of people are you comfortable just if they weren't here? And then that starts playing with some dangerous, right? Starts playing with some dangerous uh, tools there. So you pick right, good, and evil. I like the good place motto of... It doesn't matter if you're good. It matters if you're trying to be good every day. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't fully. Um. Uh, what do you call that? Forgive all of the parents here, but I don't necessarily. Don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I they're, they're them, literally but... they're they're literally killing people for an alien to get powers to rise a spaceship out of the ground. Like that's that's the plot of. Of the of the pride, yeah, I really They're felt killing like people it once was a, a year for that. I really felt like it was a um, 
they really suckered out by showing that none of them were on board with the first one and that they were being filmed. Like that was the big one, right? Because they were never being filmed in the damn comic. They would do. They love to do that shit. <laughs> they did it once a year. Uh, yeah, because they, they sold their soul. Like, was it in the comics that that's where they got their their power from? They like, got their power from the Gabarim. They would they would kill to feed it, and then after a certain amount of years, it was going to destroy the earth or something like that. And then, but the kids would be safe. They would be spared. Which is, that's just reckless, but that's so comic booky that I couldn't buy it on a TV show, honestly. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. But that's the reason why the Gabarim and the, the parents are all gone by the first 18 issues. Because they are that big. They are that, that, that cartoony. It's that a world ender type. Right? 100%. 100%. So you close, you shut that shit down immediately. But now we have three seasons of still dealing with the Gabarim on, <laughs> on the Runaways. But the, what I find hilarious is that the Gabarim really is just a a name. Yeah. It's like um, it, it's a what's that word? Um, a funnel. It's a funnel company, a shell company. Yeah. Where you put all your money in, so you don't get in trouble for laundering. Yeah. Like the Gabarim was just a word that was used for religion to get a bunch of mindless idiot humans to be bodyguards for you when you really need it the most. But at the end of the day, the Gabarim is just Jonah and his. Wife and kid, two kids. They do make good bracelets, though. They do make some dope accessory, but they also are a bunch They're of the... mindless zealots. I think we're told that they are like the ones that landed are like the scourge of the Gabarim. Like the Gabarim exists as an alien species, but I think the ones that we got so that would were be the... Carolina Carolina's uh, lineage. Carolina's father, she... the brother, and the daughter, and the mother. That are in the hole are all Gabarim, race. But, but they were exiled, and then they crashed on Earth. So they're really going. So they're going with the Dean background, but not fully going with the Dean background. And it's not. And it's neither Dean. <laughs> it's right. It's none of the Deans are in this. Yeah, because Leslie's human, right? And so is Frank. Oh yeah, they're both human. That's, yeah, which is also crazy because a lot of all these parents were super powered in a way in the comics. That's what I'm saying. Like you would, you would ultimately have like by making the parents not black and white evil, you take away the choice of having to kill them, and then you know by making Jonah like an alien, you would still have a little, I guess a little bit of hostility in in Carolina having to kill her father, but she doesn't. It's Nico, so. <laughs> You know, no one has to kill their parent in this, which is good. No, I'm, I'm not all for, you know, parent killing. Matricide. I'm just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that I think that this, honestly, I think what was missing from the show was some stakes. I think they should have killed Robert Minoru in the first season. I think the show would have went on exactly, almost exactly how it went on regardless. Uh, well, see, the thing is, is in the, in, in um, Brian K. Vaughn's original, like, 18-issue run, there were stakes near the end. Yeah. Stakes that changed the landscape of Runaways. Yes. Their entire personality to, to the fact that Chase that you meet in Pride and Joy is not the same Chase that you'll even read to, in today's Runaway issue. Like, he is completely this just dark, brooding character, but painted in a light way. Yeah. Because uh, they're, they're, they're kids that had to deal with so much and never got 
never took a break from the second they found out that their parents were evil murderers. It's like they were on level 10 the rest of the way. And I also felt it was almost kind of clear that some of those parents were going to kill their kids <laughs> once they caught them. So oh, no, 100%. Like, that's not, yeah, <laughs> that's not great. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, the Steens, the, the Deans, and the Minorus were, they were ready to axe off their kids with no problem. It's like, all right, well, then I guess then we're going to be the ones getting saved by the Gaborum, not used. There you go. Uh, so your boy Alex goes to go work for Darius, makes some money. He gets comfy with uh, Darius' sister-in-law, Livy. Oh, it's just a side plot. Who, honestly, I swear to God, she looks like a young Janet Jackson. I was waiting for him to walk in on them. I thought that that's what that whole situation was set up for. But she doesn't. They He doesn't. She braids his hair. I think they do it. I think they do it. They do it. No, they, they implied <laughs> that they did it. I think they do it, yeah. Uh, eventually, Darius turns Alex in, and he's killed by Alex's mother to tie up loose ends. What do you think about that? That, that was the scene. I couldn't even I couldn't even look at my Kindle. I, was, I, had, my fa- I had my face in the ceiling because I felt so bad. Oh, for Darius? I'm like, nah, not only are you going to gun this man down mid-sentence so matter-of-factly, but... Now you're gonna give me a no audio, a no audible slow motion scene of the wife catching this. Yeah, like oh, I got, man. I got, I got uh, flashbacks to that scene from um, Umbrella Academy with the agent when oh, when this oh, year's love. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, oh man, <laughs> basically. Uh, uh, and then she, oh, that's I'll tell you that off air. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, the, 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 Carolina, Lena, 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 Lina, confides in Nico that, that, uh, her dad killed Nico's sister, something that Nico will never forgive, especially given that Carolina, Lena, has been secretly meeting that killer dad for some quality time. Well, this is what also pisses me off. It's like, I feel like the, the show is letting Caroline, Carolina get away with so much more than what they're letting Alex get away with. Alex <laughs> when they get on him knew. for the job, when they get on him for the job, and they're like, where are you going? Oh, that's not suspicious. <laughs> Yo, it was so... And it's like, where's Carolina? Like, oh, I'm right here. I, I just went out for a walk for five hours in the middle of the day. And oh, no okay, no me. problem. See you later. <laughs> Have fun. Make sure you don't get too much sun. Right. Like, Or, or the fact that Alex knew that, that, that um Amy came to him about the encryption and she just needed help cracking it. And yeah. then uh, the next thing he knows, she's dead. So he doesn't think that that's a coincidence, giving the information of his parents. Right. That completely changes the relationship between Nico and Alex. They're not even friends anymore because of that. But. Carolina says, oh, daughter, no, I know the guy. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm related to him. He's my father. We actually hang out. He's training me. Right. And they're still kissing. And I love you. I thought I was never going to see you again. I'm like, yo, what are you doing to this poor guy? I was, no I was one. On I was one. I'm the light to your darkness away from being like, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Uh, he shows her, Papa, Papa Alien, shows her that he crashed at the dig site when landing on Earth. And that members of his alien family are still trapped at the bottom the parents are still looking for their kids except for the newly resurrected victor stein who's in stasis as he helps jonah build a new sacrifice box molly tries crime fighting and meets topher an alien rock addict who is injured during a fight with the runaways you want to briefly talk about the differences in the topher plot 
oh man, I'm so glad they did it the way they did it in the show because I hated the, to- the little short Topher storyline in-, in the comic. Yeah. Just a- just this smooth talking debonair vampire hat looking Mexican, but he's trying to make out with too. everybody. <laughs> he's making out with but everybody he was in the house. Casting spells on everybody. That when he was talking to Nico in the cab, yeah. when they were together before she like snuck the thing out oh, of his pocket. Oh, you're talking about the, yeah, 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 yeah. When he was like, when he knew Wiccan stuff to get her, it's a, so like, oh, I guess I misjudged you. I'm like, oh shit, are they about to drop the whole vampire hypnotizing bullshit here? Is he really about to make out with everybody? And then they dropped it where it's like this whole drug type thing. I'm like, damn. Another damn, big change awesome. is, if I'm not mistaken, they bring him in Topher to flirt with who? Is it Nico or Carolina? Carolina. In in the show or the in the comic. Com- Both of them. But somebody gets him first. I think it's Nico. Nico. No, yeah, he kisses Nico first. Like he straight up kisses her. Caroline kisses him. Okay. Cause he's using his hypno spell or what that um I know uh vampires, I think their lore is they produce pheromones yeah. for human females. They, what did they call it in true blood? Glamoring. Ah, there you go. Make it glamour. Um, So, yeah, they tried. Topher. Yeah, so they made him a vampire in the comic, and it was it was just so weird that I don't know. Like you're, I I can buy it because it's like I have a a velociraptor, mutant parents, alien parents, kids fighting parents. Like it's not like it was so far fetched that I couldn't buy it. It was just like. It was so out there. I'm just like, bro, I need a minute to breathe. These guys just got to this hotel underground, and all of a sudden, some vampire followed them home. Like, I always thought a better a better idea would be that that was a child sent by pride. But they never yeah. they never did that. When I first saw the storyline, that's sort. what I thought it was. I thought it was all going to be revealed that he was working with Flores or something like that. No one would have picked vampire because no one thinks vampire. No one just goes, oh, yeah, he's a vampire. It's totally what it is. He's a vampire. You know? But nope. He was just normal. Yes, yeah, so Just in, a normal in, old vampire. But in the show, he is addicted because, well, again, what we said, uh, Molly is not a mutant. So they had to give her a power from something. And it comes from this uh, alien rock that landed on Earth or, I guess, the remnants of the crash. And uh, that's what gives her powers. Topher found... Topher was walking by the explosion, right? Am I getting this right? Because oh, he was a security. No, he was a security guard. He was a security guard at the place where Molly's. Oh, sorry. Where? Yeah, where Molly's parents were. Molly's parents. Yeah. And then instead, um, well, was walking by. Car- uh, Dean's mom, Carolina's mom, Leslie, blows up the whole place, and he sees the explosion, but then also sees the rock, grabs the rock, and then gets an addiction. For it, so he's actually way older than everybody there, because of the thing kind of stunts his growth. But the reason why I brought up who was he trying to be with in the uh, comic is because in the show it's Molly, and Molly's not yeah, Molly is never weird. given somebody to be flirtatious with in the book, because again, Molly's about eleven in the book. <laughs> yeah, but that's also even weirder because even if she was. Even if she is 15 in the show, he's still like 10 years older than them. So it's like, oh, man. But I also think that she they probably gave her somebody to like have a crush on to fight for. But 
for him, it was still manipulation. It was just a goes to show you can't trust anybody type deal. Yeah, and I also thought that I this is a pet peeve of mine, and obviously I know why they're doing it. And they're probably doing it for good reason. I always hate when they cast a Latino and all of his dialogue is Spanglish. Yeah. Like I just I know people who speak Spanglish and it happens, but it happens rarely. It happens when you when you really can't find the phrase or the word that you're trying to say. But yeah. In, in this it's, it's it was just interchangeable. Yeah, in this it was just interchangeable. And I was like, what is going on here? And then and then she would uh uh Bobby would be like, oh, well he well he's trying to say I'm like, I don't need this. Please don't give me this. Because what it is, it's it's it, it it's sad to say, but it's just a lot of times Hollywood just seems to like to exploit diversity for profit. It's sad to say, but it's true. Diversity is fine. It's great. It's loving. Give everybody a job. But these, I I just feel like Hollywood studios just do it because they know it'll get them the audience that they need. And if it gets them the audience, it gets them the ratings, gets them the ratings, gets them the money. It's all an ulterior motive for money. Yes. No one casted this guy to play Topher because, yo, I saw him in this one movie and I thought he was the greatest actor. Let's bring him in for this specific role I know he can kill. It's the, no, let's bring in this multicultural hey, Latino actor and just have him speak Spanish every other word. It'll get the fans and be like, oh, yay, The Runaways is progressive. And like, you know, if you truly are progressive, you don't have to go through great lengths to prove you are. Yeah. That's just how I feel. I think so. Because I haven't once yeah. brought up the fact that Molly is Spanish because I don't think it, it doesn't matter to bring it up. It's, it's not a defining trait for the character. Yeah. So it's like, okay, Molly is Spanish, played by a Spanish actress. That's awesome. But then you start doing that whole, oh, he's actually saying this. Well, he's saying that. Guy speaks Spanish. Well, he's saying, I don't need you guys translating. And for that, then just don't and, be yeah, rude and no, speak Spanish. I, I, I was just people. about to say that. I don't know why that thought just occurred. I, I never had that thought while we were having this conversation. But literally, it just crossed my mind. Wait a minute. If you know that she has to translate, why are you being a dick? <laughs> and going out of your way to say things in a language that no one speaks. No one speaks except for the youngest person here. Ah. So, okay, so... So my thing is, isn't it also? Doesn't that also change why he's there? Because he's there in the book to kill them, right? Like he's just gonna kill them. He just wants to eat them. That's what. Yeah, he just wants to do. What is the? Why does he show up in the show? Oh, okay. Uh, you know the whole Molly going out late at night to fight people. Yes. Yeah. Um, the first time that she did that with that pimp trying to put the girl in his car. Yeah. After when she went to go run away, one of the people, I think it was the, the the chick, she said, "Oh my God, her eyes glow like him." Oh, so he just wanted to find out more. I think or I, find I think where the, she the, was getting his shit, where she was, where Molly was getting her rocks. Is that what it was? Yeah, ba- <laughs> yeah. Basically, that one that woman knew Topher previously, mm. so she went back and did recon. Like, hey, Topher, uh, some girl saved my life, and her eyes glow like yours. He probably has oh, the really? crack rocks. Okay. I'm going to go get them do damn it, crack do, rocks. Yeah, because it did seem like the second time that she went back before they found Topher, like before when Topher was like in the shadows, it did seem like it was staged. Yeah. In a sense. It seemed like if it was, okay, she's going to be coming around this time like she always does. Let's just stage this real quick. And that's why that last cut, you see some bald silhouette in like the corner. I did like that, you know, that the whole Tina and... um 
Nico confrontation over the staff of one. I thought that was really cool. Where they where they throw Molly into a pool and freeze the pool. <laughs> oh my god, that was so fucked up. I was like, uh, she gonna die. <laughs> that's, that's no, little... Tina was straight up. I'm gonna murder this girl. I was right like, now. she's gonna just... die. I'm like, and the, like, there's no there's no conversation that's had after that about like you were gonna kill her, which I think should have happened at some point. Somebody should have been like, were you really gonna kill her? Like to prove a point. No, but in the second fight, what, what killed me about the second fight is when when Nico and Tina were fighting, the father steps in and you and he straight up says like, "Listen, I stood by the last time, but I can't stand by this time." I'm like, "All, all right, all so right, are you gonna guy. fight her? Are you gonna <laughs> right. fight with your daughter against your wife?" No, he goes and swings on his daughter. I'm like, "Yo, what's going on?" It's ridiculous. Why are they going through great lengths to make this whole finale give us evil parents? And then she would go. Um... They would hit the karate stance, but I've never seen Robert do anything. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to be scared or what. You know, if he if he had done like a whole uh, one shot ass whooping, then I probably would have been like, oh, my God, he's gearing up for something crazy. But he never did. Robert is the funniest fucking person I've ever experienced in my life. This man makes absolutely no sense, and I just <laughs> love it. When his wife, his heart, his heart's on being, the, his heart's on a, on his sleeve, Dan. Yo, it, 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 no, his heart's on his goddamn shoulders. Like his heart's somewhere else. I have no right. idea what is wrong with this man. But when when Tina went to blow up the the ship that he was like about to get killed in. He's always like in his boxer briefs and does the does full on Japanese head bow pose, oh, like yes. speaking Japanese, just <laughs> yeah. apologizing to his wife in like this solemn Japanese, like <laughs> right, like, right, right, what? right. <laughs> He, he has, has no he has like no agency. He doesn't make his own choices. At one point, he actively comes up with uh technology that can hurt and hinder Jonah, sneaks attacks him. And he's still taken out by two elderly women <laughs> for his. He saw uh, the door was unlocked, so he came in. Is that all right? Like, oh my god! You know why I kept, really? You know why I kept getting upset. Now I think about it because at several points I thought that he was dead. I thought that Alex's dad should have been dead. You know, like oh oh, so dragging a body on the floor into a room and closing the door is no longer code for death. That could also just mean he's knocked out. Listen, the last I saw of Robert is he was bleeding out of his neck from a giant gash from glass. <laughs> oh, no, he's fine. He's just in the ER. I'll, t- I'll give you that update. Oh, my God. He's in this, the ER. This yeah, poor bastard fine. can't even die, right? <laughs> no, they won't They won't let him die. <laughs> he's, he's cursed to live on this mortal plane. It's like when fucking it's like when Lucifer pulled the cancer out of Constantine's like you're stuck here. Like oh my that's god. Not, yeah, that's not that's not good for anyone. Uh so we already talked about Victor Stein. Gert stops taking her meds, and that causes a bunch of hostility with Chase, who is trying his damn best. Alright? Absolute best. He is doing everything he can. My man, Chase, even... I'm not one to defend boyfriends on this on this cast. If we can go back and listen, you know, I try to give fault to both sexes. But man, that's just because he doesn't like love, guys. He just doesn't <laughs> like love. Uh, go back to the X Men Origins episode if you want to find out how much I love love. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, man, I'm like, what are you, what is going on? Like, he is like, he is like Andy from Parks levels of innocent, and she is like crazy paranoid levels of 
like, oh, what are you trying to do? Oh, you're just trying to do this. Oh, oh, like, like aggressive and hostile. And I'm like, I get that you're not on your uh, anxiety medication, but I don't even want to say anything that's going to end up being problematic. <laughs> the worst but part you get is what I'm trying to say, right? Even, I don't want to be shorthand. introduced as a bad person, too. Right, right. So like, I, I think the, it was the first episode he saves Caroline from getting raped, raped by right. two guys. And that's another thing. Like we're we're led to believe in the book that Chase is a man with a lot of rough edges that gets sanded down with the friendship of the team and Gert. The Jeff Winger, and, basically. Right. Yeah. But instead he's presented like a Boy Scout. He shows up. He screw lacrosse if that means that I gotta cover up for these assholes. Screw looking cool if that means I gotta save this girl from this rape situation. He doesn't care. He doesn't doesn't phase him. He's cool. He's actually he's too cool to be cool. You know what I'm saying? Like he's at a whole nother level. My man and Chase. him and Gert grew up together. Him and Gert have that we were four years old playing in the same sandbox type memories. Right. So it shouldn't be a level of hostility like, oh, this stranger doesn't know me, know me. So, exactly. So this should be face. someone like, okay, I know that he's known me for legit probably 10 years. Maybe give him a little bit more credit. And he he even shut her up in a few, in, in a lot of their fights. Yeah. Where he's like, listen, you needed your medication. I get that. But you could have asked me and we could have teamed up together. Oh, I guess I didn't think of that. Oh, you even know what I it was is? Like, That's what it is. I don't know if you're up to it yet. But when he comes back to the thing to ask if he can come stay, um, he's she's like, you just went and did did that without even asking anybody. And I was like, but you went to do the meds thing. And you called his mom. He didn't yeah, do that and shit. And he even said, like, yeah, he even said, like, you you used my me and my parents so that you don't have to get have that sad-ass encounter. But I had to have the ones have the sad-ass encounter. Right. And when he finally leaves, he's like, listen, I had to say goodbye to both my parents today. Don't look at me like that. Like, my God. And then she went to go apply for college without asking if he wanted to move to Massachusetts. I've been to Massachusetts. It's beautiful. And in the wintertime, get on a fishing boat. It is gorgeous in massachusetts so maybe he would have liked it there you didn't ask him poor oh. chase poor Ch i'm telling you man like and there was even points where he was like trying to speak gert's language just to get her to have a smile on her face and she was like oh you're being a uh, man sending or whatever insert some weird word and put man in front of it hmm. like uh not mansplaining there was one uh, I think she took interrogation and put it mantergation or oh, yeah, took the yeah, word yeah. complex ah, and made it manplex. Yeah, you're right. I can't remember. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. She took some word and legit put man in front of it. And I, I rolled my eyes to the back of my head. I'm like, okay, let me write a, sh let me write a show and start putting woman in front of the, of nasty verbs. Let's see how far I get. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't, like I, I don't know. I, I think that was, <laughs> if I had to be honest, I think that that was why I didn't want to watch the show originally. Because when the when I first when I first read that, uh, Gert, where they all they already said it in her Wikipedia page before even season one dropped, when they were giving short descriptions of the characters, they said that Gertrude York is a third wave feminist social justice warrior, <laughs> and I'm like, nope. At the time that this show was coming out, and as who I was at that time, yeah. 2016, yeah. Not wanting anything to do with extreme 
far left liberals, I'm like, nope, I am not watching this show. If it's I have crazy to sit because this girl, it's crazy because I'm like a huge fan of American Dad, and he's extremely conservative. <laughs> yeah, but I also feel like they're doing that as a joke on purpose. Like, you don't think the Gertrude like, thing's a joke? I think the Gertrude thing's I, kind of a joke. Mm. I, I honestly, I think it's a joke by making fun of the person, but I also think that it's like American Dad. It's just too realistic to like sometimes even in I don't know, because I don't I guess I don't um, agree with conservative politics. So like even if I, I know that that someone like Stan Smith really exists, it's still going to be funny. But oftentimes I agree with progressive politics when it's not so pc like anti everything like ant being anti ant i'm not anti anti i'm just saying like <laughs> like it, anti. so to see like i right, seeing my viewpoints i i do feel how gertrude feels a lot of times oppression and and um people not getting the right kind of credit yeah but to be fair to be fair and to add on to the whole thing i said about it being a joke she doesn't see any of this she hasn't seen any of this we see oh, yeah, that was when hor- she sees we see when she sees poor people for the first time. And then if you see poor people at a food bank or something like that sitting down and eating, those aren't the worst of the worst. She looked at those people no, those and was are like, the ones oh that my want their God. life better. Yeah, she looked at those people and was like, Oh my god, I didn't know things got that bad. I was like, girl, <laughs> look for the man with no pants on the train <laughs> digging corn out of his hair that's the guy that you gonna have to that's oh, the one that you my God. you're yeah. advocating she, for that's the one that you're talking that about that girl would not be able to survive staying on the a train overnight just mm-hmm. ride the a train or the e train overnight and i don't mean just one cart i mean every stop go to another cart okay. oh my god right. the e and i will be real, realistic the e is probably the scariest train i ever rode past 12 o'clock Hmm. That the E is one hundred percent the scariest train I ever rode past twelve o'clock because there are some carts where they literally at a certain time the homeless people turn into houses where you can't even go into the cart because they have blankets up around the doors. Uh, oh, they've created their own hotel. They've created their own little ramshackle where you got to go through the emergency exit. Bananas. And when you get in there, it just smells like piss and feet. Oh God, <laughs> piss. God, you don't you don't want right? And Gertrude has never led that life. People. Nope, because this is these are these are silver spoon kids that need to know what it feels like to live on the street. Yeah, but most of the, but most of these kids have no idea what they're going through. No, nope. they don't know how to how to like like um what's the word I'm looking for? They don't know how to sit down and assess. Fuck, we we are literally staying in a rundown mansion that fell in the San Andreas Falls underground. Like right. even in the show, they were talking about how they haven't had a decent meal because they're dumpster diving. Right. Or, or I saw the comic, when they were doing the whole Cheetos. Though they're eating crackers and they had to give the crackers to Old Lace. Yep. Is this also the season where they poison Old Lace? It is, yeah, right? Because <laughs> they poison Old Lace in like the season finale. I was like, that's fucked up. No, they were, no they've been poisoning isn't... here all over time. They've been sending the drone over there and <laughs> squirting. Yeah, but remember, this, that's also the that's alien. also not Stacy. Yes, yeah, the, the alien. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, oh my god, are they gonna? Am I gonna watch a dinosaur die by like gradual poisoning? That's fucked up. Chemical warfare, man. I like that is messed up. Oh dear. Yeah, the, yeah. See, I thought it was once when they finally showed that it was being dispersed. 
Like you just see him. But like, I felt like they were. Her, but I felt like they were having issues with her prior to that. I felt like they were having issues no, with they, the dinosaur and Gert. But they, they might have been the meds thing. Then no, they were because also it 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 showed. Remember, um, there was a certain point where Dale brings up the fact that his wife wears her glasses. Like I know your, pres- I literally know your prescription. And oh, that whole that whole her, con- that her whole lens. thing back and forth was amazing. That whole conversation it's back like, and well, forth. Yeah, it was like, really are, are, yeah, where she was like basically saying, "Are you trying to tell me that like I'm not smart and that I'm not capable of doing?" Well, she's this? like, she's "I, like, I'm I not put on fan. contacts. Like, since when? <laughs> like, we married. Like, you can't just say you. Oh, I just. Where'd you like, get? No, it's like, where'd you get these contacts? By the way, because we were spending every day with <laughs> right, each other. Where... Right. Like, like I get boyfriend and girlfriend. You could be like, I right, well, it's my business. But he got married with a kid. Like, what do you mean? Secret glasses, secret contacts. What are we? What are we doing? Here? Or even the daughter brought it up when she saw her mother. She's like, "When did you have time to get LASIK?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. That is crazy. But yeah. So then you find out that that's her secret mission. Her secret mission this entire time was to build a drone to fly over. Oh, because now they're down. Then... Now they're down with like killing their kids to get them. Like now they're down yeah. with like making weapons <laughs> to get them. And they, oh, but this is the funny thing is because Victor was being taken over by Jonah, he didn't mean to make the weapons as powerful as he made them. That when he saw the, yeah. the specs with his son, he's like, Wait a minute, did you do this? Who did this? I didn't do this. Yeah, it's like, Yeah, I made these weapons, but not this powerful. And then he's like, Wait, what the hell is happening? I'm like, Yo, what is going on right now? Yeah, because um, the pride and the runaways are done with Jonah's crap, so they reunite again to take him down to the dig site. And that's where Nico stabs Jonah with a staff of one, seemingly killing him. But his essence, as well as the essence of all the family members trapped in that hole, go into various people at the dig site. And like you said, one of them, Jonah's actually goes into mm-hmm. Steins. And I, what about that moment where um, the Steins have a romantic, passion-filled night, and then he wakes up the next day and he's like, what happened? I don't remember. Why is my yeah. why is my lab messy? Yeah. You know I don't like having a messy lab. Like, yeah. I was like, I was like, wow, man. I really believed in no, them for I a second there. Too. I really believed Me in too. them for a second there. I was like, wow, they are really getting back. They're really just finding the magic again. But nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. I was like, damn. Yeah, no, that shit was crazy. And then I think that was like the last. Yeah, it was the last episode. That whole last episode, the split up. Um, Leslie tries to close the church down. Finally realizing that all of Jonah's deceit, um, I was finally realizing all of Jonah's deceit, but her husband, a foundation at the church, refuses and locks her away. He does this because this is basically all he has, right? Yeah. Like, she could tear this down and go on to do something else, uh, but he now knows that the, the kid is not his, and all of it was kind of a sham, and if she takes this, it'll be over. So, instead... Um, they lock her away into the crater because they say that she's like a non-believer now. And while she's locked away, it's revealed that she's pregnant. So there's that. Carolina, Carolina is able to help save her from the compound. Um, and we also have a nice quinceanera that takes place. What do you think about that party for Molly? It was nice. It was good. It was good. It was one of those moments that you need, especially like if you're going to be kids in a whole like this kind of setting, I guess every once in a while you're going to need a time to just unwind and take a breath. Yeah. I mean, Molly, really Molly, argues that that in, yeah, Molly argues that they almost never get to just relax. Yeah. Which I can which understand. Is, it, 
So when they, she, especially if it's, if it's the poor girl's birthday and she could literally kick the crap out of all of you, <laughs> you better give her a birthday. Right. So she gets her birthday. Um, they when they save Carolina from the hospital, they I mean Carolina when Carolina saves Leslie from the uh, church, they bring her to the hostel. I was very surprised by that. I was like, this is a no adults zone, you know, kind of kind of thing. But it's shown you how far everybody's gone. But it's also, they were also right. Like, yeah, whatever she did in the past, she did in the past. She's still carrying an innocent life in her stomach. But she also did kind of was down to kill kids once a year, though. You know, she was sleeping up with that alien man who was flaking a lot. See, this, this, this is where it gets a little tricky to try and be sympathetic and see from their perspective like did they truly know what was going on or did they not know what was going on i also i also After feel like a couple the, of years. these gobbering people are so nefarious that they could concoct a plan in which leslie shows up in front of the hostel acting like she's pregnant and then they get it they get them <laughs> i could totally oh, see man. that happening that I could would totally... be a cr- you know, like, oh my God, you wouldn't tear, you wouldn't turn away a pregnant woman, would you? No, you're right. Freeze, everybody now, and then it's, it's a wrap. I'm leaving out all of the crooked cop stuff. Would you like to talk about the crooked cop stuff? I mean, uh, I don't know if it's important per se. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's my whole. That's my whole thing on this. I feel like it. It's only important if you don't. It's it's important not to mention it if you don't want to spoil things for people that want to see the show. But anybody that's gotten two hours into this podcast has already had most of the major shit spoiled. So right, and so you guys, I mean, you you know that they have cops on the payroll, but ultimately they just have like another cop on the payroll. Really, I felt like this whole crooked cop storyline was just like an epilogue to the Darius plot. Which is weird. Like this is how you could. This is how you close the circle to the, to never see Tamara and Levy again. If you want to close off that circle and make sure those characters are written off. But yeah, if let's anything, just do it this extended one last it, little... right? Because he should. After Darius has died, they could have just opened and shut that case. But she, this guy goes to shoot AWOL, goes to shoot the kid, the or the right, the mom, the kid, and the girl. No, just the mom and the girl. They don't know that Alex was there. He just oh they, yeah, they, it just was the just, mom and the girl. He knew. Because they were out the hospital, fresh out the hospital. Yeah, so just the mom and the girl, he was going to kill her. Uh, He was down for that. So I was like, it was just weird that ultimately he just extends the plot because now we have to stop him too, right? Like now, But also, where did they go once Nico... Thanos snapped them. Like, did they go into the Soul Stone? Like, is that is that where they were? Oh, I don't I know. I remember that. The first yeah, episode. Where, he just, where he just poofs off. No, they never talk about it. Oh no, wait, they do talk in about it. Season three. Yeah, she the says, first episode, of season three. He says he's in like some zone. Like he's like where this is where everybody he's like else inside is. the staff or something like that. Or uh, maybe, perhaps, because she does have conversations. And then you see Elizabeth Hurley turn into crows. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, I just didn't like it. Uh, I felt yeah, that a wall, a wall was basically Darius when in Darius season one, and it felt like okay, so we're just gonna kill no, but, one African American yeah, actor. Yeah, because a wall was a him. gang member. Yeah, but we're just gonna replace he was a one, gang member that got turned. We're gonna replace one African American antagonist with another African American antagonist. I don't. Who's Brad? And then they're and, gonna make him the most realistic. Like, the, sorry, the most unrealistic character I've ever seen. Like this man is legit. Has like grills and like that that's why it was weird the swag I did, demeanor but i did like that he tased 
the girl. He's like, you think we playing out here? And he like taste her. <laughs> or or they're like, we can wait out here as long as you can. He goes, you think I'm playing? And he just like tastes. <laughs> no, his, like his whole like like the the style of the way he was talking was was pretty like antagonistic for these kids. Like, oh, what's up, big man, Alex? I thought you wanted to talk. Well, now I'm right outside. Let's talk. I'm like, you know what? And but just it and it's just like you know the rule of escalation. You can't. I can't be thinking that we're dealing with alien and alien invasion and, oh, but we also have to stop this crooked cop. Ah, you're right on that one, yeah. You know, like so it's like, us- what are you, what, this is not, I'm not even thinking about this. Can we just get past this so we can go back to where the hell the aliens are? At least you could have thrown this before you give us the whole alien and the Jonah stuff. Like, I, I, a lot of these, like, side plots could have been all in season one. You could have given this this dope Season one of all the kids actually learning about the origins of their parents in many ways. Season one, Carolina could have learned that Frank wasn't her real father and Jonah was. Uh, season one, you could have had Alex see the whole Compton background that his father used to go in. You could have had the stuff with Nico and have the stuff with Chase. Like You could have done everything you did in the filler episodes of season two, extend that to an entire first season. Because then when the kids finally do run away in the season finale, it gives me a much more emotional weight. Because you had kids that were either wanted to be with their parents but still had to, like, make that decision or a kid that just wanted nothing to do with the parents. Right. And, like, what happens – like, what if they did do the Band-Aid thing, right? What if they did rip the Band-Aid off and they ran away? Wouldn't it be so cool um, if they had to deal with still kind of feeling love for their parents while everyone else is so stark – on like, no, we had to leave. We had to. Did we? Like, those would have been cool conflicts to have. Which would have been a complete difference from the books, but at least it would have been something different from as an adaptation. And something different like, than waiting, books... waiting around for two weeks. They waited around for like a week or two until they had enough evidence and enough evidence that they accumulated in the homes of the criminals. You know? Only for Chase to destroy it. Because that, he still oh wanted Oh my God. Something. I forgot about that. That freaking set everything back remember how i talked about how not killing jonah like they could have killed jonah probably in season one but not killing jonah led to season two which then they did kill him in season two which then his essence still you know what i'm saying like they really lengthened this season the hell out and they had their parents dead to rights and chase just smashes it because things are being a little bit better with him and his father and that's but that's that um it's um, what's it called? It's it's the abuser complex. It's like it, that's the personality of most abuse victims. Like they find ways to justify the actions. Like oh, he he only said you he, he got fired. That's why he was up he was upset and hit me. Or oh, his mom died, so he and was I got drinking, that. and that's why he got upset and hit me. Like it's the you make excuses for your abusers because you truly love them. I just think it sounds it sounds more like there's stakes on the line. Like I gotta go home. You know. Like not, yeah. not I should stay because I love them. I have to go home. You know, like I have to leave the safety of where I'm at and plunge myself into the toxicity because I love that person. That feels more dramatic than just saying, well, you know, I'm already here. <laughs> He's not that mean. And then just kind of sticking around. But, but it was also, I think there was the computer got destroyed during the time where his father was having the brain tumor. Yes. So that was also another thing that would help the judgment. It's like, well, I mean, if I know my father's about to die at any moment because he has a brain tumor, I'm going to want to make his last moments with him. You know, I don't want to remember for the rest of my life me fighting with my father until he dies. Yeah. 
but no one would but want maybe that. Maybe he shouldn't have killed those people. You know, <laughs> maybe Pride should have never have killed those people. And if they would have never have killed those people all those years ago, who knows? 15, maybe 15 they would have been killed. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kill or be killed. That's the other thing that Alex is mad down for. It's kill or be killed, bro. He's oh, my God. Uh, Molly, the only one that, the, that doesn't want to kill. I love this show sometimes. There's moments in this show where I'm just like, damn. I'm like, I am really feel like a little kid, like, marking out. Like, damn, this is, you're getting me. Sometimes it's like, all right, you're a little boring. I got to check my phone. Got to look at the sky. Right. Well, when fingers. the music starts to play, that's when I kind of look around. I love this score. I'm, I'm just gonna say it right now. I'm a fan of the, of the like the angelic vocalization type score where you hear that. Oh, that would like it, every, it felt, it felt California. It felt. It did. Lack of days ago, like everyone should be chilling, but there's, there's something evil going on underneath. Also, I love these like. Like transition shots of like oh, California, where you get like, well, no, even in the show, like, oh. like you like they go to cut to another scene, and you get like this stretch of highway with palm trees or the San Andreas Falls and shit like that. Like, the opening is massively done as well. Like you see the dinosaur in the pool is supposed to resemble old lace. You see, um, like a, a, a piece of graffiti with somebody with metal hands, kind of like the Fistagons. You see, um, which is dope that they put that in the show too. Yeah, like yeah. you see, like almost every time you see someone making a mural. Yeah, there's also like they go, they go uh, like on a garden, like not a garden, a front yard, but the tiles on the floor look like the staff of one, like there's a circle and a line. Um, so there's like a bunch of li- like little hints and stuff, the symbols of the Church of Gabarim and stuff like that. So, oh yeah, on the, like the skate park, or like, where you yeah. see someone doing a kickflip, and you see the symbol. Yeah, yeah. it's you know, it's, it's, if, they, if the it world, the world's Doom created. Patrol, the world's created. They, they. Exist yeah, it's the yeah. Doom Patrol ent- opening because any opening that gives me stuff like that, man, I it's hard to not at least be sold by their pr- presentation. Swamp Thing sold me immediately on its presentation, especially because now modern m- most modern things are just what two, three notes, and then the title of the show, and that's it. Yeah, so when you get, like, a nice two-minute opening, like, you, you got to milk it. Yes. Speaking of milk. I'll never skip. Yep. Speaking, speaking of, of milk. milk uh, we find an alien named Zavin? Uh, Zavin. 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 Shape-shifting yeah. alien named Zavin confronts Carolina, Carolina, telling her that they are destined to be together and that it fulfills a prophecy. It's also revealed that Victor Stein, Tina Minoru, and Stacey York have been possessed by the alien species. Victor, being the trusted head of the Stein family, captures Jill, Chase, and Carolina. Uh, Thinking something is up with his wife, Dale York kidnaps his daughter. Alex's parents are arrested for the murder of Darius, leaving Zavin, Nico, Alex, and Molly in the hostel by themselves. And that's the end of season two. The split up for real. We didn't really talk about Frank, should we? Is that is there much to say? Uh, no, because I feel like the show didn't even have much to say about him. I also feel like he's like a poor man's Patrick Wilson, bro. When you can't afford Patrick Wilson, you get Frank Dean. That yeah, because I was like, he looks like he could be Patrick Wilson's little brother. Um, and honestly, I'm not gonna lie. Of all the parents, I think he was the most annoying one because he wasn't he's like a child a parent. Because he, he was, yeah. he was the literal child. He was the one that we knew, even we knew that his controller wasn't plugged in. 
You know, <laughs> that was the whole thing. That's what that's what cut well, his balls out. He got kicked out of Pride off screen. That's so what, like, yeah, that's before what, the show even started. He was kicked out. They're like, why? Why doesn't he? Why doesn't mom take you to Pride? The Pride meetings? Oh, I don't know, honey. She does them once a year in secret and doesn't want to tell me about what happens. But well, I'm also, sure it's fine. I would I would put it under as Jonah did that. Jonah did a lot of. Of like manipulating and gaslighting because how else would what you talking about like when he found him when he when she found them screwing when he found them screwing and and then they got the the York to erase his memory yeah the memory thing it's like come on come on like that's so messed up so we're left with a bunch of hanging threads the group is separated Nico is still finding very dark power inside the the staff of one she actually my theory I think Nico has the other brother what do you mean. I think Nico has because uh, you oh, know how Nico, like um, Nico is possessed by the, the other evilest brother. brother was missing from yes. the yes the Gaborum family yes. yeah I think it's in Nico the reason why I think it's in Nico is you know how I am with visual storytelling right. if you give me a voiceover script on a certain shot in a scene I know you're telling me that's what that person is doing or the way they feel like they just it, even in comic books I see it they'll have this like voiceover box on the corner of the next page. And it'll be just a regular like picture with no other words. Yeah. So when this, so when that, so when Zav, uh, Zavin was describing the eldest brother is like the worst, most evilest one. They do this turning shot where Nico is turned around and she has like this sad, confused face, and it's like, all right, so the brothers in, he- in her, no problem. I think that was done on purpose. I am aware of who the brother is, and I think that you are right to think what you are thinking. I'm not going to confirm. More, more subverting if, expectations. If you would like me to confirm after the cast, I will kindly do so. But I think for those uh, out there, out there in the world, if they, uh, there is a third brother out there, man, and it's somebody. I'll tell you. We all and, have a third brother out there. I might have to tell you after the thing because I kind of have to bitch about it. But <laughs> anyway. Oh no! Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to end up finishing the show, but it's not like as soon as like the cast is over and. I'm going to jump right on to season three. Maybe I would jump on maybe next week or in two weeks, but I kind of want to finish my Malcolm in the Middle binge. Yeah. And I got to jump on to reading uh, Old Man Logan. Yes. I know, like, Did you find out issues. why we're doing that? Uh, the anniversary or something? Like, nope. It... I, said it on the, I said it on the last week's podcast, but it was kind of long, so I'll be remiss if you hadn't heard it. We're doing Old Man Logan next week, uh, or Logan for the most part next week, because you don't like Logan. And next week... So that's why we're doing it, huh? Next week, Wednesday, is my birthday. So... That's right, it is your birthday next because week, Because I want to do something fun. I think it'd be fun to make you watch something that you don't like. <laughs> and that's what that's what we're going to do next week <laughs> for the Matrix's podcast. We're going to watch Logan because Dan oh hates God. Logan, everybody. Oh, my God. Happy birthday to you. Well, there Only you go. You. And happy birthday oh, to Professor you. X. Because <laughs> he's going he's gonna to get something. He's going to get a gift in that movie. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, oh, fuck it! You know what? I, I, if I if I can grant you one birthday wish in this time of quarantine, I'll watch Logan. There you go. See, I'm not asking. And I'll much. even go into it with no with no haterade on. I'll <laughs> go into it as if I don't even know this movie. I've never seen it before. This is my first time watching it. Well, here's the thing: if if for some odd reason this was a one off, 
that you guys are listening to this podcast, however you found it. First of all, I want to say thank you. But second of all, if you don't subscribe, if you don't check to see where you got this from, if you don't go to the various places this podcast is posted, you won't be here next week to hear Dan talk about how much he loves Logan. So (laughs) the primary direction that I would send people in is comicbookclick.com. Comicbookclick.com is the one-stop shop for all of our stuff that we do here at Comic Book Click. The major issues, podcasts, articles, merchandise, um, and you can see all the members of the Click. We're all up there, and we're all. You can contact us. You can email us right through. You can comment on any particular post in you know any particular episode of the podcast, and we'll get in. We will respond right to you guys. But luckily, the Major Issues Podcast is available wherever podcasts are found. So if you already have a podcast app, we're available on Stitcher, Podbean, the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, which was fun. Stitch, I said Stitcher. I think I said Stitcher. Um, YouTube, TuneFind, iHeartRadio. Did you see that one the other day? iHeartRadio. My we're God, iHeartRadio now. Yeah, we're on iHeartRadio now, people. I think we're on Anchor. Pretty sure we're Are on we Anchor. On, we're on Slacker, right? Slacker is that a thing? Slacker Radio. I can look. Slacker. I know Slacker Radio is is. That's where I found podcasts originally. That was where I used to listen to all my podcasts was Slacker Radio. So Slacker Radio got is ch- got changed to Live Live X Live. Oh, okay, okay. So it got bought out. I don't know if they do probably podcasts. by from probably like X XR or Sirius XM or whatever. Probably one of them bought it. Yeah, somebody bought that. I don't know if there is podcasts, but if they are, I'll do my best to get my ass <laughs> get us on there. <laughs> Because literally, we can you can type in the Major Issues Podcast. That's the easiest uh, bit of it. Oh, they only have Nerdist. That's it. They only Nerdist. The Nerdist. They only got the Nerdist Podcast on that website. Ah. Uh, but literally, if you type in the Major Issues Podcast, I'm doing it right now, folks, in real time. We're available at Podbean, at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, po- uh, Spotify, Player FM, iHeart.com, podbay.com, podtail.com, <laughs> listennotes.com, uh, and I think that might be it for the time being. So there's yeah. literally no excuse, people. Just, We're everywhere. just type it. Major Issues Podcast. There's yep. no excuse. That's it. And if not, comicbookclick.com and you get us all there. But we know, we, I want to hear what you guys think about the Runaways in general. Does it get better after those first 18 issues? Let me know. Does Do you think that the series peaks in season three let me know and definitely let me know how you feel about logan and the way you could do that best is going to facebook.com slash comic book click instagram at comic book click or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest hottest latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media i've been to the future and in it we become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media but i can't tell you how we do it all i could hope is that you like this episode or any of the other episodes of the major issues podcast you like share and subscribe that you uh rate us on itunes so we can learn how to grow as podcasters and next thing you know we'll just be it we'll just be the latest and greatest i can't tell you how we do it because it'll mess up the timeline but again jump on the bandwagon while it's a little empty it's filling up though it is filling up so get on there now join the click we want to hear from you uh past episodes current episodes current events hit us up uh, we could also hit us up at Major Issue CBC on Twitter. 
all of that will be in the show notes. How to get our merchandise, how to get our website, how to get the podcast, and how to get us on social media. So even if you can't remember or write down any of that stuff, go into the description of this episode and it will all be right there. Click, click, click. Get it? Click. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about ready. Two weeks of, 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 of adolescent angst. I'm about ready to look at an old man who, <laughs> who's just tired and, man. and is over everything. Man. I'm not <laughs> that, I'm feeling, anymore. I'm feeling more and more like that, man. Man, less and less like Chase every day. <laughs> Oh, we 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 can't uh, be chased every day. Can't be chased every day, but try to be chased most days. Everybody, try to be chased. At least the TV show's version of Chase, because that man was that. That is the white knight right there. That man was trying his hardest. Exactly. But my name is George Serrano, aka the Don. Uh, and Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our Runaways recap and review and comic book review. And remember, whether or not you use the staff of one for good or evil. Whether you believe in the light of the Gaborum, or whether you're just too full of pride, remember that you are the click, and you, yes you, are worthy. <laughs> <laughs>